All right, welcome to another episode of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, and I've got some good news and some bad news for you this week. First, I'll give you the bad news. The bad news is that the official historian is not with us this week. Kirsty is having a break this week, her weekly break that she gets every other week. And some good news for you, though, is I have a replacement for her this week, also residing in Australia. From the outback, I have the voice you probably will recognize as Mark in Australia. Mark, are you there, sir? I certainly am, Uncle Steve. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you for joining us this week. Pleasure. All right. And then I got some, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if you'd call this good news or bad news, Mark, but um, I've got uh, the official flip-flop thong. Horseshite guru, Matthew in Kansas City, the Zulu Lulu himself. How are you, Matt? Good. How are we all? <laughs> I was hoping for a <laughs> woo. Yeah, I know what you were hoping for, but you got to keep your keep your crowd wanting. Yeah, I got sure you. me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, good evening, Jensen. I know we have a good show to get into this week. Um, but before we get into it, actually. We're going to talk about music. That's something we do here. We're going to talk about music and what we normally do first is we talk about what we listen to. And we have a guest, Mark, with us this week. So I'm going to let Mark go first, Matthew. Mark, why don't you tell us what you listened to in the past week? All right. Well, plenty of stuff. Um, I did start me with a bit of um, As Daylight Dies by Killswitch Engage, which um always one of my favorites. Um, surprisingly enough, I listened to a fair bit of uh, uh, Megadeth, Killing Is My Business, which is an album I haven't really listened to a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Countdown to Extinction, Rust in Peace, you know, a few other a few other albums like that, Endgame. Um, yeah, also uh, Scorpions, Love and First Thing, which is probably my favourite album of theirs. Okay. Absolute cracker. Um, I heard you, Uncle Steve, talking about Udo Dirk Schneider, I think, not long ago from Accept. So <laughs> that inspired me to listen to my favourite album of theirs, Metal Heart, which is an absolute cracker. And um, and some of the some of the vocals on on about two or three of the songs sound a lot like um, ACDC, actually, <laughs> in my opinion. So I think that would probably surprise you. Interesting. Um, yeah, Except Eternal by Bringing the Horizon. And um, I listened to quite a bit of Aussie. Uh, Diary of a Madman, Blizz of Oz, Black Rain, Oof. and um, and also uh, some Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind, and Somewhere in Time. So I listened to both those albums. Uh, and the only other thing I listened to was, um, you're probably all familiar with Oasis. There's yeah. a documentary, yeah, documentary on the um, Supersonic. So I watched that and I ended up watching a doco on Liam Gallagher. So I listened to his first solo album, As You Were, which was surprisingly good. I listened to it about three or four times. And, um, and yeah, actually quite enjoyable if you, especially if you like the Beatles, I guess. Is Liam, but, um, yeah. was Liam the singer or was he the guitar player? I can't remember which one's which. No, Liam, Liam was the singer. Noel was the guitarist. Okay. And, okay. Also the, the main, main songwriter. Yeah. But, okay. Um, who sings too. He's also solo as well. And sure. He does a lot of singing too. So yeah. Yeah. But I uh, know that, that, that was about it. Okay. Full albums wise. Yeah. Okay. Well now comes the, um, Question that 
I don't know. I think about five of our listeners are really interested in hearing the answer to Matthew. Well, it- I was going to say before we do that, can I ask Mark a quick question? Sure. sure. Since you listen to both Peace of Mind and Somewhere in Time during the week, <laughs> of course. I don't know if you heard uh, a little episode last week where there was an album battle. Yeah. I was wondering, wondering what your thoughts might have been on the two albums and which one comes out on top for you. Well, I absolutely love the uh, the episode. I thought it was hilarious, um, <laughs> and I didn't realise that Uncle Steve he's got a future probably as an actor because <laughs> I cannot believe how he held himself so straight faced when he was talking about one particular song of Peace of Mind, and he had I think he had you fooled, but I think he had. Um, uh, the official story and Kirsty, she just was gobsmacked and wanted to swap her tea for for, for something a bit harder. But um, <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. Which but, song um, was that? But, that I, yeah. Which song was that? I can't remember. Something about dinosaurs, I think, um, roaming around somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <Press the> fire. <laughs> Champagne comedy. But, no, that was. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. But no, I, I was really, really close. I mean, for me, it was the opening two songs. Oh, sorry, the opening uh, tracks of each album and the closing tracks were the real hard one for me. And I ended up choosing Where He Was There and Entertainer Land in both of those. So, you know, they're both equal albums for me. I love them both. So I think um, Peace of Mind just edged it out. Gotcha. But I love both albums the same. You know what I mean? It wasn't a reflection of where I was because um, Summer in Time was the first album I bought when it first got released, you know, as well. Um, so that holds a special place too, but really enjoyable episode and loved it. Yeah. Cool. That's good, good to hear. hear. It's good to hear. All right. So what was I listening to during the week? Oh, I thought you were done. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to Mark's take on our take of our albums and I'm, we can move on now if you want. No, go ahead. Well, did you want to hear, you know, you want to hear what I listened to. Maybe. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was excited at the start of the week to see that one of my favorite vocalists had a new album out that I had no idea about, just kind of popped up, an album called Over the Horizon Radar by Mr. Yawn Land. And I gave it a listen. I was like, oh, this is uh, sounds like standard Yawn. There's some good music in there. But I quickly realized that it all started to sound the same to me. And I found that there's nothing really wrong with it, but it wasn't very exciting. And apparently I wasn't the only person that thought that because I also listened to a podcast later that had some similar thoughts. But that was that. Uh, I did listen to one of your little mates, Dio. <laughs> I listened to the, the Holy Dive. I listened to the remix album and just to see what it was about, what it was like. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a little bit extra stuff here and there, but... For the most part, I don't know. I don't know why they thought they needed to to do whatever they did to it. There was nothing really wrong with the the classic original album, but so be it. The tracks are still good. Then I went on to some German metal, and Mark alluded to this band, except uh, because a week or so ago I listened to Pot of Thunder and uh, Asylum do their takes on Accept, and I was like, hey, you know, I'll go listen to Balls to the Wall, and I kind of liked it. I think there was only one track on there I didn't like, and I can't think what it was off the top of my head. But I thought there was some really good stuff in there. It does sound like very 80s metal, but it still holds Mm. up okay. Uh, Some Anthrax I'd been in the mood for. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned last week. I I did go and see them about a week and a half ago and was kind of pumped up on them. I thought they were really good. So I went back and listened to some Spreading the Disease Mm. and 
then some John Bush era. Uh, we've come for you all. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I used to think I didn't really care for that one very much, but maybe it was volume eight. Some of it, I used to think there's too much filler on there. And I hadn't listened to this for a long time, but I really enjoyed that. That's the one they made a live album from too as well, right? It is, and I can't think what it's called. I had that. I used to listen to it a fair bit, um, but I can't think what it's called. And it's been years since I've listened to it. Actually, I might have even lost it now. Uh, but I went and listened to something that I was hoping I was going to like, but I didn't have my, my hopes too high for it. Uh-oh. Qu- Quiet Riot. Have either <laughs> of you really gotten into them much at all? Uh, well, I had the first two albums. Like, uh, was it Mental Health and Condition Critical? Uh-huh. And um, obviously, uh, Randy Rose is, is on those, um, I think. And, um, um, yeah, I'm so... You know, typical '80s heavy metal, but it didn't sort of last. But at, <clears throat> at that point in time, I enjoyed it. Yeah. No, what about you, Steve? I liked the album. Well, one of the very first albums I ever got that was a rock album was Condition Critical, which was after Metal Health. Yeah. And I liked it, but it was you know it was brand new. Music was just opening up to me, and I was just like, I fell in love with the album until I started hearing other stuff and realizing that it it's while it good. while it was good, it wasn't mm-hmm. as good. You know, but yeah, I mean, and that album by Anthrax was called Music of Mass Destruction. Ah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff that one. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought, I was like, oh, I want to listen to something new for me. It doesn't have to be a new band, just something new for me. I was like, oh, quite right. Because I'd thought about seeing them. They were either due to kind of come through close to here or I don't know. I can't remember. And so I thought, oh, I'll go give Metal Health a try. And I couldn't take this anymore. I got to a song called <laughs> Let's Get Crazy. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I'd heard that this is the best that they had had. And it had decent reviews, but I was like, I can't get into this. I didn't like the vocals. And I don't know. I just found the music was just a bit generic. Question. Yep. Do you ever hear his vocals and think that they're reminiscent of Blackie Lawless? (laughs) Because I'm just thinking, cause, no, cause I, uh, the, the screech, the screechiness of the way he sings kind of is that way. I think, although Blackie writes a lot better songs. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Mental health will drive you mad. That's not good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I mean, Hey, it's it, for what it is. It's good. I, I'm not saying it's bad <laughs> stuff. I just, I just, I never was a big fan and I, and I even, and I, and I hate to join. I'm not, not I don't, I don't want to join the camp of people that say, they shouldn't be out touring right now. No, it's their thing. But I mean, it's 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 got Rudy Sarzo who played on Metal Health, mm-hmm. and and essentially, it, I think that's pretty much it from the. Well, from he was he was the reason I was interested to go and sure, see them. Like, sure, I've never, never seen him. I I just feel like I don't know. I mean, hey, if they want to tour and people want to go see it, that's that's totally fine too. But it just seems to me like I wouldn't want to go see it. I would. I mean, I, I wasn't a big enough fan anyway. I guess so. I really don't have a voice in it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, ahead. I just, I just thought that yeah, I'm not interested in this. So I gave it a good try, and I was looking forward to, to possibly liking it, but it just didn't work out that way for me. But <laughs> to each their own. But yeah. it put me in the mood to, <laughs> to want to go back and listen to some more Dio. That's really what popped into my head. It's like I just want to listen to Dio. I just listened so, to some terrible music. I want to listen to some Dio. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Cleanse the palate. That's exactly what I needed. So I went and listened to some Dream Evil. And as soon as I heard the opening riff to Night People, I was like, I am in my happy place again. So yeah, that's that was, good song. That was good for me. 
And then, yeah, I was like, you know what? Uh, one of Dio's band, he was in a little band called Black Sabbath. I know that Uncle Steve would probably approve of that. So I went and listened to Heaven and Hell because after listening to Dream Evil, I was like, you know, I want to want to go listen to Neon Knights now. And that's where my little journey for the week took me through to finishing the week with Heaven and Hell. I'm I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for um, Matt's podcast to come out. You're pretty into Dio. I think you <laughs> think you might have a future in uh, being a Dio podcaster. You know, because <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any Dio podcasts out there. You know, I don't know, but I don't think I'd be the person to do that. I'd be the person to enjoy it, but not to. Uh, I don't know. You, you you sure like to come on here and talk about it a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I can just see that you're either trying to wind me up like a cheap two dollar watch, or you're just ready to lay the smack down, and I'm not going to entertain either. Because <laughs> you know what, you're a bully. Yeah, I think about it. <laughs> I don't recall. I don't think and I'm. I'm a- not the only person who thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into what Uncle Steve listened to this week. Okay. <laughs> I listened to the self-titled album by Queensryche, uh, the first one with Todd Latore. I listened to uh, Akadaka. I listened to the what one of their finest albums, Power Age. Or I, I, I'm reading a book, mm-hmm. and, and he said, the guy said he met Bon Scott once, and Bon Scott said it was pronounced Powerage, not Power Age. So it's, I listened to, to Powerage. Um, I li- now, last week, uh, I had a, pe- a few people tell me that I sounded a little hoarse last week. And s- last Saturday night, I had went and seen a, an ACDC uh, tribute band. Hey, and you sounded what? A little horse. Horse, yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the band that was the playing, they're, they're a pretty well-known uh, ACDC tribute act called uh, Back in Black. But they also had recorded their own album at some point and their, their name of that band was called strip wired. So I guess, you know, they had an album. It's called another shot and I bought it and I listened to that a few times and there's some real ACDC ish stuff on there and it was pretty enjoyable. Um, and then I listened to uh, a band that we're going to talk about this week, Megadeth. I got into a lot of Megadeth. Um, I'd been wanting to listen to peace cells for a while and so I, I pulled it out one day and listened to it, and that led me to So Far, So Good, So What, which led me to Rust in Peace, which led me to Countdown to Extinction, which led me to Euthanasia. And uh, that's kind of where I ended it. I just really, really, really enjoyed every bit of the, those. out To me, Euthanasia, I think maybe the second song on Euthanasia was the first weak link anywhere in, in that run of albums. Um. What was that train of consequences? Train of consequences, yeah. I was trying to think of it. it set the ball a rolling, clicking on the miles. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that one. Um, and um, although that riff is pretty cool, uh, and which is, I was gonna say, is there a harmonica solo or something in that? Uh, funny about that track, I can't remember. Yeah, there's something was. weird about the solo, the way it sounds. Mm. Um, and then which led me to listen to one other band, uh, which was totally like I went from Megadeth to going to listen to dire straits <laughs> and I listened to the album, uh, brothers in arms, the one that I missed last week and, uh, listen to that. I listened to a few live tracks on YouTube after I listened to the album and enjoyed that. So, but that, those are the albums that I did listen to this week and let's see podcasts. We'll go straight into podcasts. I listened to, I didn't listen to a, as many podcasts this week as I did, uh, I just haven't had as much time this week. I've been, I missed a couple of days of work this week. So um, 
I listened to one called Vintage Rock Pod, and it was just a little short thing they did that day. It was called This Day Rocks, and the subject was Bruce Dickinson. Uh, then I listened to Shout It Out Loudcast. Their episode was called Kiss Off the Soundboard Donington. That was an interesting one. I listened to uh, Top 5 uh, with Joey Casada called Best Movie Quotes. And then I listened to an episode by a podcast called Asylum Tales from the Devereaux Diaries called Detroit Rock City, where they reviewed that movie. And that is all the podcasts I listened to this week. Uh, Mark, did you listen to any podcast this week? Yeah, I listened to a couple. I listened to um, the Metal Gods podcast uh, on the Halls of Valhalla, which is off Redeemer of Souls. Okay. And that that was nice to hear because that how they ever get spoken about that album. And I think I still think it's a bit long, but there's some great tracks on it. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, Eddie Trunks, uh, latest one, he had Anthrax in the studio with him. And plus he had Zach Wall on the phone. So that was good. They were oh, cool. talking about Pantera, the yeah, the reunion and and um, all that sort of stuff. So there was a bit of interesting information that came out of that. <laughs> um, I listened to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden's own that wonderful piece of mine versus Summer <laughs> in Time album, which was yeah, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, and um, um, yeah, and a lot closer than I thought too. Really yeah. good, uh, very enjoyable. Also, uh, Michael's record collection, Talking Iron Maiden. With, uh, I think you might know about that one, talking about Number of the Beast. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot. Good, good stuff, yeah. That, it's, it's interesting. I don't know whether it's all podcasts, but whenever they play songs, they sit they, they play them so much faster. And um, every time you played a song from Number of the Beast, when it was just played really fast, it uh-huh. just sounded, it's almost like listening to the Chipmunks, you know, um, um, playing mm-hmm. something. Yeah, so it's sort of interesting. I haven't had a really I- unusual. I haven't heard the I, I I haven't heard the episode yet. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I had the conversation obviously, but I haven't heard it, so I don't know what he did to the rest of it. So, yeah, but no, that was interesting. Um, uh, middle-aged metalheads, I'd never listened to them before, but I listened to one of their uh, recent ones uh, about Kiss with um, the album Destroyer and Love Gun, like versus Love Gun. So they were just discussing, you know, song by song. Uh, you know, with those two albums, which which was okay. I always always loved Destroyer, um, that one hands down. Um, really? And, yeah, that was about it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it did. yeah, but um, there was a lot of hate going on. There was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of negative talk too, which was quite sort of you know funny to listen to. But but uh, but yeah, definitely Destroyer got it over Love Gun. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that's it for the podcast for me, Matthew. Yeah, I had a couple of episodes of different things this week. Some of it was the same as Mark, as it turned out. Uh, but I started off the week with one. I think I've listened to this once before. It was a long time ago. But I'd seen something pop up for Wasp. And it was from a podcast called Music from a Lifetime. Hmm. And it's about a guy who gives, well, he says, new opinions on old albums or an old guy's look on new albums or new bands. So he looked at uh, Wasp's KFD. Okay. And so it was interesting to hear that. It's it's one that, I don't know, I don't know what I thought of this album when it came out. I liked some of the songs, but I didn't like the sound so much, that real industrial sound. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to hear his takes. And I was just trying to think what the name, uh, Double Live Assassins. Oh, yeah. Like some of the stuff that they played on that was really good. Yeah. Like a lot better than the sound of um, the album. The album's a pretty tough listen. Uh, and then I was like, oh, what else has he got through there? So I had a look back, and he, well, as it turned out, he had a DO one on there. 
uh, Dio Dream <laughs> Evil. And I think that's why I went and listened to Dream Evil. Mm. After I had to listen to that episode. And I was like, you know what? Uh, this is where I saw uh, Yorn Land. He had also mentioned uh, the fact that the live album came out. So I, I saw he had this episode. But I wanted to listen to the album and then listen to his thoughts. And I think he had basically the same sorts of things to say that I did. It was Unfortunately, I just found it a little underwhelming. But then I hold you on to a pretty high standard, I guess. Hmm. Uh, the guys over at Ridiculous Rock Record Review, I had a cut. Well, here's another one. More, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize I had this much, <laughs> this much Dio. So episode 177, Dio, Holy Diver. I uh, listened to their take on that. And I also listened to their episode on Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell, which they seemed to find pretty underwhelming. I was a little bit surprised by that, but to each their own. Uh, Talk is Jericho. They had an episode with the band Gwar, and they've got a documentary coming out, so it was interesting to hear some of the stories and takes that they had on that. I also listened to Uncle Steve's last episode, just to see how our takes all panned out, because I couldn't remember, for the most part, who picks what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Eddie Trunk. I did listen to the Anthrax and Zach Wilde interview. And what did you think? I, I liked the interview, but did you think that Joey sounded a little mellow, Mark, when you listened to that? Or did you uh, notice anything? Um, yeah, well, he, he sort of was quite subdued, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, it's obviously... Sorry. What, what, what would your take? He just sounded really, really mellow. Like I've heard him do other interviews, and when he's been in KC and he's talked to like the local radio blokes here, he's full of yeah. life and personality. But he was just a different person on this. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess there was what there was four of them, four of the five that were there, uh, all the uh-huh. main ones, I guess. And um, I'm not sure whether it's because he's he's obviously involved in the in the the Pantera thing, um, along with Zach. So. I'm not sure why, whether he's keeping a, a backward key because of that. No, um, not Charlie. I'm talking, talking about Joey. Oh, oh, oh Joey. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, I don't know. Joey's normally pretty – I always thought he was a pretty humble, quiet guy. He never really says much. I, I, oh. I didn't I, – I've seen him in – obviously, your take might be different, but I've seen him in interviews where he's always laid back, especially when there's a bunch of them, you know, and, he, oh, and okay. he's never sort of forthcoming in, in what he says. But that might have just been the ones I saw. But that, so that didn't stand out to me. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just the last few times when he's rolled around town here and he's come in, he's he's been really vibrant talking to the local guys here on the radio. And it yeah. just didn't sound like that at all. I was just kind of wondering if there's something going on. But then I know from reading recently, and now I do know that this is a few weeks ago when they've done their interview, that someone within Anthrax has been sick with something because they've cancelled a couple of shows. And I don't mm. know if that had something to do with it. I don't know. Because he was fine when I saw him a week and a half ago. Like, he was on fire. Yeah. But he just seemed really subdued in the interview. But yeah, maybe, maybe it's when he's by himself being interviewed. Obviously, you know, yeah, it could be. It's just him. But otherwise, probably there's a bunch of them. He maybe chooses to 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 sit back. I guess also not being a founding member, possibly, and being out of the band for so long, and then coming back to the band, maybe could be. takes it backward. Yeah, could be that. Uh, and anyway, the last thing I listened to for the week uh, was. Uh, Asylum, Tales from the Devereux Diaries. I also listened to their Detroit Rock City movie take. And it was interesting to hear that because I watched this and I think I liked it when it came out. 
but I don't know if it held up all that well all these year, years later, and I'm not going to go give it another watch, I don't think. But it was funny to hear about them uh, mentioning some of the dark themes and some of the dark turns that this movie took that I had never even thought of. I would have seen this 20-something years ago when it came out. And some of the themes in there were probably, I would look at them and think, yeah, they're a little disturbing now. But uh, it, it was good. It was interesting. They had some funny takes, Steve, on some things that were said. And, um, yeah, that was that. It was a good good way to finish the week off. I thought I had a more than a laugh. I, tried, I told you, Steve, that I had to listen to this two or three times to get through it because I got a laugh when I was trying to do my work and I couldn't concentrate. <laughs> So the boys did a good job over there. All right. Well, now it's time for some audience participation. And Matthew knows that this is where we go over the retweets. Mark knows it's where we go over the queet quotes. So, and eventually Mark might even join the ranks, right? (laughs) Yeah. You never know. Never know. So we'll do the retweets first. Uh, Got Papa Luis. The Iron Maiden Encyclopedia. P- Papa Lewis, I'm sorry. I always say Luis. Papa Lewis, the Iron Maiden Encyclopedia in Venezuela. The cleanest of ancient misters in the United States. Ron Kramer in Washington State. Willie Valiverta. Valiverta. Ah, sorry. In Finland. The Scouser, David Laird in Liverpool, England. Gen Marutani, the official detention teacher of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, the one usually watching out for Matt uh, in Chiba, Japan. His Royal Dudeness Dave in the USA and Jesse, the delivery guy in Illinois. And the Queet quotes, Matthew, have quite a few of those too. So let's get into that. First off, we have the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party in Garva. Northern Ireland, the only official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Mark, you were aware of this, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he said, fascinating little curveball that had me scrambling for my albums to reassess the songs in the matchup. Been on loneliness, been on a loneliness on a loop for a few days now. If you missed it, you wasted your years, Matthew. Sounds like a Matthew comment right there. Next up was the official dinosaur of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, Dean King. And he said, this is a part one of three. This week features an album battle between two of the greatest albums in metal history, which once again proves the point I've been making all along, which only surprising, which is only surprising to Uncle Steve. Peace of mind can hold its own against any album. Individual taste may fall one way or the, now we're getting to part two, may fall one way or the other, but it's going to be a tight battle. Also brought much joy to hear that dinosaur rattling in Steve's head again. I said I love Quest for Fire and I'd rate it over Moonchild. Wow. Never said it was my favorite over every song, I would take Stranger in a Strange Land over Quest easily. Let me ask both of you guys a question right there. Would you take Stranger in a Mark first? Would you take Stranger in a Strange Land or Moonchild in a battle? Um, oh, Moonchild, sure. Matthew. 
Moonchild. Thank you. Finally, I'm happy if I helped, and I would choose Moonchild as well. I'm happy if I helped inspire these classic album battles in any way because it shows how mind-blowing they are. Also, please forget whoever said Maiden was tired when they made Somewhere in Time. They were in the zone. Speaking of, get more sleep. You are about out of gas. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like I said, I was at that ACDC uh, tribute band, and it was worth it. I, I would definitely, well, even though I might have walked away with a deadly virus that night, <clears throat> I think uh, it was a great show. I'm going to go see them again, actually, on uh, uh, this coming Friday, if all goes well. Uh, next up, one of Matthew's favorites, the R4 podcast in Massachusetts, USA, said, Thanks once again to Uncle Steve's Iron Main Zone for mentioning our podcast again. It helped curb my shock, amazement, and violent anger at the results of this album battle. Now, Kirsty, the official translator and historian of the podcast in Perth, she said, This episode is truly full of surprises. I even surprised myself a couple of times. She really did surprise me, Matthew. Mm. I mean, I really yeah. just, yeah. There was some things there that I was like, this didn't go the way I thought. The whole yeah. thing didn't go the way I thought it would, but she did surprise me quite a bit. Yeah, when when she yeah, chose... Revelations a, over Wasted Years. Exactly, yeah. 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 I, I was already writing down Wasted Years when she said Revelation. I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. Okay, so uh, his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, said... Hashtag Iron Maiden. I unexpectedly had time to listen to this episode this morning, and I want to spoil things that are said and happen in this episode so freaking badly. But I won't, and we shouldn't. Must listen. And then he says, Uncle Steve, Matt, and Kirsty. He tagged us. Now, this is the one... Um, where uh, I'm going to have to pull my phone out because I have to read uh, some lists that people send in. Let me get to that really quickly. So this was from, of course, Matthew, the guy who mm. wants to put you in detention usually. But listen to this. It was a, there was a, a complete 180 on him here. Again, Marutani, of course, the detention teacher, he said, I was very, very confused until the end of the episode. I almost said, detention, Uncle Steve. Another great battle between two of the Maiden classic albums, Peace of Mind versus Somewhere in Time. For me personally, it's an easy win for Somewhere in Time. And here's his results. Okay, correct. Y'all going to help me right here. Okay, when it, it has the little um, sign, whichever sign it's opened towards the winner, right? Very good. Yeah. Okay, making sure. Okay, so here's again, here's his results. Where Eagles Dare is beat by Caught Somewhere in Time. Revelations beat by Wasted Years. Fly to Icarus beat by Sea of Madness. Wow. Die with your boots on beats Heaven Can Wait. The Trooper beats the loneliness of the long distance runner. Still Life is beaten by Stranger in a Strange Land. Sun and Steel is beaten by Deja Vu, and To Tame a Land, Matthew, is beaten by Alexander the Great. He said, Peace of Mind 2, Somewhere in Time 6. Mm. That's pretty big. So Now, next up was, and last up in the Queet Trotes, was Lord Andrew of Sussex. 
the week the weekend warrior himself and he said quest for fire is on peace of mind therefore somewhere in time wins that sounds like how <laughs> how it ended doesn't it <laughs> and and speaking of that i have um andrew's list as well he said the first battle was one he well he just put the winners caught somewhere in time revelations um sea of madness heaven can wait Trooper, Stranger in a Strange Land, Sun and Steel, and uh, Alexander the Great. So somewhere in time, five, Peace of Mind, three. And he said, I'm a bit surprised I would have probably said Peace of Mind over somewhere in time. So that, that that's interesting. Um, and here's a few of the other uh, comments about this particular episode um, where people gave us their lists. Um, your One of your favorites, Matthew, Justin, oh. I laughed so hard. My abs hurt. Castaldo said <laughs> this was an awesome episode. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was that. That's the sentiment that I got that a lot of people were kind of surprised at how this episode turned out. So I liked, I liked that there was some surprise to it. Well, probably none more than what we were. Yeah, exactly. We were all a bit surprised, I guess. And I he's, had that as a slam dunk. Yeah, somewhere in time, I'm just gonna bomb it. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. have existence. So he said, "Here's his list." He said, uh, "The closest matchup for him was number one." He said, "Where Eagles Dare." Um, he said, uh, "Wasted Years," "Flight of Icarus," "Heaven Can Wait," "The Trooper," "Stranger in a Strange Land," "Deja Vu," and Alexander. Somewhere in time, five to Peace of Minds three. Uh, Chip Ross said, "I ended up with five for Somewhere and three for Peace." But Somewhere in Time was my first Maiden album. So that could mean something. Uh, Andrew already read his. Now, this is the probably the guy that, you know, there's this one guy on uh, Twitter that's very controversial all the time. The one that said Seventh Son is terrible, the whole album. Uh, his name is Future Squash 767. And he said, uh, Where Eagles Dare, Revelations, Flight of Icarus, Die With Your Boots On, Trooper. So currently five to nothing. Stranger in a Strange Land. Deja Vu and Alexander the Great. So five to three. And he said, uh, and he said, Quest for Fire doesn't exist anymore with a, with a frown face. And he said, the last two were torturous to pick. Both are insanely great songs and some of my favorite Maiden songs ever. So, and let's see here. Uh, David McDermott, he said, uh, Somewhere in Time, Wasted Years, Flight of Icarus, uh, Heaven Can Wait, Trooper, Stranger in a Strange Land, Deja Vu and Alexander, six to two. Closer than it looks, as I like peace of mind better than Seventh Son. Interesting. Mm. Interesting there. And I think there might be one more. Uh, nope, that was it. That was it. That was all of the comments. So it's, it's most people seem to kind of lean toward somewhere in time in that battle. Actually, a little harder than we did, Matthew. So sounds like. Yeah. So um, now, now we're going to talk about. Megadeth. So, and I didn't even think about this, but first of all, Mark, where did you come in with Megadeth originally? Like, what was your little intro to Megadeth like? Um, oh, I would have been so far so good. So what? Um, you know, back in the back in the um, well, I was into them in the mid '80s. So, but I remember distinctly so far so good. So what? And that introduction, you know. Um, in the lungs of hell and set the world afire. 
And so, yeah, I've, I've been into them ever since then, all, all the way through, basically. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. What about, what about you, Matthew? Uh, I think this is well, – actually, I'm sure this is the first album I'd heard in its entirety. Like, I was aware of them. Like, I remember when So Far and So Good was out, that, that was kind of everywhere. I used to see the patches and the shirts and the mm-hmm. CDs, but I wasn't into them at all. I, I probably heard Peace Sells, the mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, nothing. I just happened to be in a, a record store and, and heard him playing one of these tracks and asked what it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that, yeah. Was, that would have been my intro to hearing it. So, yeah, Rust in Peace was okay. the first full album I'd heard. Okay. I, I remember my cousin was into Megadeth before me. He was into all the heavier stuff before me. And I remember him. I'm pretty sure he had Peace Cells and he would play it. And it was just, it was a little ahead of my time when he, whenever I heard it. But... But I do remember by the time So Far So Good came out, being, you know, into it and getting it. And, you know, like I said, that's it's so I think we all kind of came along, at least me and Mark came along real close to the same time. And, you know, Matthew, Mm -hmm. as is the start of any call, is always the last to show up, Mark. So (laughs) (laughs) usually so Not, not today, but tonight. Well, I was here first. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm a little under the weather, so I had to run downstairs. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We don't want to, I don't want to start, I don't want to stir up any crap. <laughs> Pun intended. Okay. So, okay. So what we're going to do, we're, we just wanted to talk about the Megadeth album, Rust in Peace this week, because uh, like I said, I started, I was listening to Peace Cells and I just kind of went through that whole list of just the albums that I listened to. And I just was like, man, I want to do something different on the podcast instead of, it it seems like it's kind of gotten in a bit of a rut and you know, I like to keep things if I can, you know, fresh and a little different and, and, you know, maybe a little surprising. I know, you know, Matt likes surprises. I like surprises. I'm sure Mark likes surprises here. Um, I just want things to be, I don't want it to be the same stuff every week. And I kind of, you know, based on a few of the comments I've gotten, you know, from at least three different people, it really felt like it was getting in a rut. And I just thought, you know, let's, let's just completely make a right turn here. Um, we had talked about doing Megadeth, Matt, how many, what, two or three or four months ago, probably. Well, it had to be at least a couple of months ago. Cause I remember Kirsty mentioning that she had listened to that yeah. in anticipation of an episode for it. Yeah. That we, we spun that round and didn't do it. That uh, was a good couple of months. At the time, I was I was really I was amping up to do something, and I had something in my mind that I wanted to do, um, and it involved all four of the bands, you know, uh, Slayer, mm. Megadeth, Anthrax, and Metallica. I was like, let's do an episode on each one of them. On I was oh, going to. That's even longer now that you mentioned that. I do remember that. Yeah, mm. and and so I I said let's start out with um, so far so good. I think Kirsty might have recommended that. And we just didn't do it. it. It got closer, and and I had talked to a couple of other people. I know I had talked to somebody about doing a Slayer episode, and and I just thought I'm going to do this, and and it just I don't know. It just it just didn't. I didn't want to do it when it got closer. I just it just didn't feel right anymore, and I just said okay. And then we started looking into doing it again because you know Kirsty, you know, like you said, she started mentioning making a little you know fuss about <laughs> it and kind of raising a stink about it, and which she's even done in the last month, and. uh and then I was like, we were going to do it. And then, the, then that there was a Megadeth podcast that started. And I was just like, oh, now I don't want to do Megadeth because it's a Megadeth podcast here, you know? And I don't really want to, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. And then I just kind of thought, you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's, 
we love the music and there's, you know, other, other, you know, it just doesn't matter. We love the music and we want to do it. Let's, let's just do it. So, and oddly enough, the week we're going to do it, Kirsty's not here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so I'll have to throw a little shout out. Sorry, Kirsty. Uh, Mark is our Kirsty this week. So, uh, so far, so so far, so good. Because he just goes, so what? Yeah, so what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I thought you know, let's. I listened to Rust in Peace, and and I was talking to Matt on the phone one day, and I just said, man, we're gonna do Rust in Peace. Let's just do Rust in Peace this week. And so I wrote down a few things about it, um, or a few things just to kind of get us going here. And uh, so this album came out September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. I mean, that's so. Almost, almost thirty-two years, almost thirty-two years ago, solid, which is amazing to think about, because um, I can remember it coming out and just you know seeing the band on that tour, um, and this this album had the third lineup of the band in as many albums because they had had one lineup on P cells, you know they'd had P cells had uh, you know Dave Mustaine, David Ellison, uh, Gar Samuelson, and Chris Poland. So far, so good. So what had Dave, David, Chuck Baylor on drums and Jeff Young on guitars. Um, and then this lineup uh, with Dave Mustaine on guitars and vocals, David Ellison on bass and background vocals, Marty Friedman on guitars and Nick Menza on drums. They did uh, four albums together. They did Rust in Peace, Countdown to Extinction, Euthanasia, and Cryptic Writings. Uh I think they did uh, risk was after cryptic writings and Nick Menza was not on that. I think that was the last one with Marty Friedman, but um, let me ask you guys uh, a question about the album cover. What do you, how do you, if you're ranking album covers by Megadeth, like how awesome is this album cover to you guys, uh, Mark? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Ed, Ed Repka. He also did P cells, which is also a beautiful yeah. album, but yeah, the blue, it just absolutely stands out. Um, um, I think you did um, uh, Leprosy by Death as well. And it's got those same sorts of, like, P-Cells, got those same real orange uh, okay. orange and beautifully blended colours. So I loved it. I love the idea of having the five presidents at the time. Was it, I guess it was Bush Sr. I've got them. Uh, I've got them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name them all in just a minute here. i got them all written down. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, the cover, I, I think it suits the album just perfect. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'll, I'll concur with that. I think it's a nice-looking album cover. Um, and it's interesting. It's a little snapshot in time uh, yeah. by going back and looking at those those leaders at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, it'd be interesting to know, in today's time, do people still remember who all those people are? You know, I can see – well, you could name them. I can see a couple there to the right that you would know straight away. Yeah, uh, I, only, I, only know, I only knew who two of them were. Even when I wrote the names down, I've, I've never even heard of three of these guys ever. Have you got the other three names there? Yeah, yeah, I've got them. I've got them Who all. Who are they? So, um, okay, wait. So first, it's uh, it's it's Vic Rattle. If if someone hasn't seen this album cover, you know, obviously the mascot is Vic Rattlehead, and he's with world leaders, and they're viewing an alien body, which is basically inspired by the song Hangar 18. And uh, if you're looking at it from left to right, it is. Um, and I wrote these down specifically for um the Weekend Warrior himself because I know he's a history buff, and I know that he'll probably know all of these names. I'm sure he's very familiar with the first one. Um, the British prime minister at the time, John major. Oh, okay. I never heard of him. I wouldn't have, I know who that is. I wouldn't have picked <clears throat> that as being him from this picture, but anyway, 
Yeah. Uh, the Japanese prime minister, it says, to- and I hope I don't butcher this, Toshiki <laughs> Kaifu, K-A-I-F-U, Kaifu, that's what I'm going to say. Oh, and I just noticed something. So they're all wearing little cards with their national identities, their flags on there. Okay, so okay. Be, I don't have should have been to me. Yeah. Uh, then next is the German president, Richard. Chancellor. Well, it's just, that's the way they listed it on here. Yeah. So uh, Richard von Weissacker. Or soccer. I don't know. Have the, if it's got an A with the two dots over it, what does that do? Ah, soccer. Why soccer? Yeah, that'd be it. I learned my lesson in Motley Crueism there. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the Soviet president, which is the one I would have recognized, Mikhail Gorbachev. And um, lastly, uh, our president at that time, the, U- the U.S. president, George H.W. Bush. At the time, he was just George Bush because – it didn't matter if there was a HW in the middle or not, because <laughs> since his yeah. son followed him, but yeah, that's so, who yeah. that's who appears on the cover, and um, that's just for you, Andrew. I included that, and um, what we'll do is we'll get into each of the songs. We'll just discuss the songs, and at the end, we will rank the songs in order, which I think will be uh, quite a task because this is a pretty strong album. But um, I wrote this down. Uh, some stuff from the wiki Wikipedia page because we have an official politician. And um, <clears throat> this has to do with Northern Ireland conflict. And I wanted to just read it cause I found it interesting. Uh, it says, uh, Holy wars, the punishment due finds its thematic inspiration derived from the Northern Ireland conflict in which largely Catholic nationalist community were in conflict with the mainly Protestant loyalist community over the sovereignty of the six counties of Northern Ireland. (coughs) Excuse me. Mustaine has said that at a show in Antrim, Northern Ireland, he discovered bootlegged Megadeth t-shirts were on sale. He was dissuaded from taking action to have them removed on the basis that they were part of fundraising activities for in quotes, the cause explained as something to bring equality to Catholics and Protestants in the region, liking how the cause sounded as was explained to him. (laughs) Mustaine dedicated a performance of anarchy in the UK to it (laughs) causing, huh? Of all things, of all things, causing the audience to riot the band were forced to travel in a bulletproof bus after the show. This incident, along with Marvel's Punisher, inspired Mustaine to write the song. Okay, so with all of that said, I'm going I'm to go ahead and go first on this song here. We got nine songs on this album. Uh, I got to just say, as a 50-year-old man, yesterday I was in the living room in my house playing this. I had it on the TV, and I turned on the video. And my daughter is in there with me and I'm trying to get her to watch it. Cause I'm just like, you know, it's such an incredible intro, you know, that, that just how quick it starts and how intense it gets so quickly. And she just kind of glances up and just keeps on doing whatever she's doing. I, I literally stood there in my living room for, I don't know, six and a half minutes, however long the song is. And I just could not just stop banging my head the whole time and going crazy during the entire song. And I'm like, this song came out over 30 years ago and, and it's just, it's still, it's, it's fresh. It's relevant. It doesn't sound dated in any way. 
I mean, like I said, the opening riff, it's amazing. Just it's it's so much energy. And then the drums kick in, right? You know, following it along. And then the bass is with it. And, and it's to me, it's like they explode into this just a humongous riff machine. And it's intense and it, it's so satisfying, the intensity of it all. It's just amazing to listen to. I can't listen to this song without just. Just completely, my wife was laughing at me earlier because I was kind of writing down some notes and I'm just sitting there on the couch and I've just got my laptop in front of me and I've got my headphones on and I'm just bobbing my head and she's just looking over there and just laughing hysterically at me and kind of making fun of me, nodding her head. And I'm just like, you don't get it, man. You don't get it. But what's cool about this is, you know, <coughs> that riff, that and all that. And then when it goes into the soloing, that riff, that riff is just still playing underneath it, just so fast, you know. And then when when Dave finally comes in with "Brother Will Kill Brother," spilling blood across the land, all that stuff. I mean, there's so many great lines. I'm not a political guy at all, you know, but the you know the song, the lyrics of the song are really strong. Uh, you know, killing for religion, something I don't understand. It's it's something that's happened for years and years and years, and but the whole. That whole bit of the song gets to the part where I guess it's like a little flamenco guitar, you know, that pieces the two songs, that, mm. you know, that pieces the two bits together, the the holy wars to the punishment do. And, you know, and yeah. he, with that upon my podium, as you know it all, scholar and all that stuff. And there's so many great stops and starts and there's so many great riffs in this song that it's insane. And, and, and like the band, they're just, they sound as t- they just like as tight as hell, right? They're as tight as a pair of Bon Scott's pants in 1979, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the bit at the end where he says, fill the cracks in with judicial granite because I don't say it don't mean I ain't thinking it, you know, next thing you know, they'll take my thoughts away. I'm like, to me, this song, I mean, as, as, as perfect as a song could be, this song is absolutely perfect. I mean, there's nothing missing. There's, there's nothing extra in this song it's like they 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 got every ounce of fat out of it it's just perfect i said it's a complete spinal tap 11 and i got a few comments i I said i was going to read these off of uh youtube that i looked at when um one comment said um y'all are both familiar with the twin towers that came down right on september 11th yeah someone what the first comment that i saw said there's enough metal in this song to rebuild the twin towers (laughs) i was just like just (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then one guy wrote, um, 
when you write the 10 greatest riffs of all time and put them in one song, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I thought was kind of telling. Another guy says, I might be slightly more of a Metallica fan than a Megadeth fan, but I can't deny that this is the greatest thrash metal song ever made. Uh, someone else, greatest metal song ever and still ve- very relevant today. The Deep State and their MSM, which I'm not sure what that means, uh, political and big tech puppets are trying to take our thoughts away. Uh, another guy said, one of the best riffs of all time. Uh, one Another guy said, I just can't believe a human being can produce such a masterpiece. It leaves me in awe every time I hear this. Uh, and the last one, I thought was pretty cool. He said, it's my first time, and this is four months ago. It's my first time to watch and listen to Megadeth and God, I had goosebumps all over my body. This is such a jaw dropping masterpiece. They set the bar high. The guitar riffs, the bass and drums are so solid. And all of those comments kind of sum up the way I feel about it. I mean, it's just incredible, incredible song. I mean, there's like, I listen to that song and I'm just like, is there a better song than this ever? I mean, surely there is. You know, it's hard to rank one song against another for me. But man, what an incredible song. I mean, this is just, it's just a top-notch song in every way, shape, and form So for me. So um, what about you, Mark? Yeah, well, I mean, it's all everything you just said there is spot on. I mean, technical thrash metal at its best. Um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, it, 80s coming up at the end of the 80s where everything was so political too which is obviously summed up on the cover mm-hmm. to come out and explode into a song like that that's just basically called holy wars which straight away you know raises people's you know yeah um, raises questions and just to absolutely nail it and plus coming out of all of their addictions and all that sort of stuff to to, mm-hmm. to and then have new members in the band just to people wouldn't have known what they were going to be exposed to and i think when that just comes on it just sets the the tone for the whole album um, you know, just the production, um, the technicality of it, um, the sound of the drums, you know, the bass. Dave Ellison's always, he's, you know, he's a really obviously a solid bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got it's got every element. Like, I think, you know, Marty Friedman, people probably couldn't wait to see what this guy was like. And the fact that his first, you know, solo on the whole album that's ever heard isn't just like ripping and fast. It's it's quite melodic and it mm-hmm. really really suits the music. And same with the second solo. It's, it's it's it doesn't just straight away crack into just fun, you know, speed. It's, yeah. it's all about suiting the song. And um, I think the way Dave finishes with his solo, I mean, he just basically he's there proving how good he is. You know, sure. his guitarist. He obviously finishes um, a lot of the songs with his solos. Uh, but that's an absolute ripper of a solo and the way it just builds up and he just holds it for so long at the end. And I think what I love about um, that song, apart from everything, but the way it just so, so suddenly finishes and he left just thinking, oh, my God. But it was just like a, a sonic boom. Uh, brilliant. Loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and also, I think that um, – and I, I know I had this in my notes somewhere else, but I think Nick Menzo, when it comes to the drummer's – of the big four is just, you don't really hear him get talked about at all. And he just destroys on this album. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's a brilliant drummer. Yeah. yeah. So I to him. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Matthew, what about you? So this was probably what got me into Megadeth. This song, I would believe it's, they were never my favorite band. 
uh, and it, it may not have been the first thing I heard. I know I heard something in a radio uh, record store, but I do know I used to on TV. They used to play it on a show called Rage, which may still be going. Though, I don't know. Um, yes, it is. They are? Okay, so you used to play this like the middle of the night and we would tape the, the shows and stuff like go back and watch the videos back in the day. But cool, yeah, this is a powerhouse of a song. I think this is not just one of the best songs by Megadeth, but I would put this into one of the best songs in metal mm-hmm. just across the board. Like you hear, like you talked about the opening riff, you play this opening riff to anyone who's been listening to metal for a number of years and they'll know exactly what this song is. Oh yeah. Like it's, mm. it's iconic. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you've already said most of what there is to say, but uh, it's not just fast play for the sake of fast play. Mm-hmm. You know, it is technical and it's thought out and it's well thought out and it's crafted. Mm-hmm. Like s- some of these solos in here for a first track, it's unbelievable. You talked about the last solo and like how he hangs onto that note. But even behind the, the last verse, I think it is, or if it's, I can't remember if it's verse or the chorus now off the top of my head, but that solo ends and it's just hanging behind Dave's um, lyrics as he, as he comes back in. Mm. So you hit yeah. that high notes and it's just. Oh uh, yeah. You're talking about that fill the cracks in with judicial granite yeah, part. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, I love listening to the back you know, behind the vocals. Yeah. So good. But yeah, you're right. It's good. There's nothing here I can't say that's already been said. Like Dave sounds great, and I used to think, you know, mm. I used to hear uh, it's okay except for the vocals and that. Yeah. But how how strong are his vocals in this? It's just nasty sounding in a good way. Yes. And it suits the aggressive tone of this album perfectly. It's I don't know if it's a perfect metal song, but it's got to be a perfect album opener as far as this. Oh yeah. Sounds great. Mm. Well, so yeah, such it's, a statement. That's a yeah. good. That's a good point about his lyric vocals because you know some people they kind of they kind of poke fun at his vocals. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, oh well, you just grit your teeth and that's and I'm like, you you think because not only is this guy singing, he's singing while playing these yes insanely because I kept pointing to my my well when I was watching it with my daughter trying to get her to watch I was like look at what his left hand is doing mm-hmm. while he is singing. I mean, that's just some, like, it's hard to air guitar it and pretend you're singing at the same time while he's literally doing the singing and really playing it. You know, it's like, he's a super talented guy. And, and like you said, the, the nastiness of his vocals fit the thoughts behind the lyrics and everything perfectly. Yeah. It's not just nasty for the sake of sounding nasty. It's because the venom in which he, you know, spits out some of this stuff, it just suits what he's singing and describing in this. And I don't know. I think it's, he does an awesome job in this. And it's funny because I used to watch some of these reaction videos and whatnot on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to see someone just say, oh, I was never really into Megadeth. And they pointed this song out as a reason why that they weren't. I could never Good understand Lord. that. I was like, he's kind of mm-hmm. saying, well, this is all generic, generic riffing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you must not be a metal fan to appreciate this. Good Lord, no. Because mm. this is insanely good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so next up on the album, as if it couldn't, you know, you kick off on such a high with Holy Wars, and then you go straight into Hangar 18 from here, so...
Mark, what are you thinking when you get into Hangar 18? Yeah, great continuation on, um, you know, just absolutely solid, just thumping steady riff. Um, it's interesting, I think this is, is it's the only song that's got Nick Menza, you know, with uh, um, with credits. He did all the, the L- um, lyrics, lyrics for it, yeah, which is, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which is obviously quite unusual to see that on a Megadeth album. And I think that was a bit of, um, caused a bit of contention too between between him and Dave. Hmm. I didn't know um, that. Oh, well, yeah, apparently because, um, like, obviously we know what the subject is about the alien, I think, from, what is it, 1947 or whatever that yeah. that was um, that they thought they found. But um, Nick had said to Dave that um, talking about that and talking about that he thought Jesus was an alien and that, Je- that Jesus could levitate, Dave was like, what? You're kidding me? He said after that, nothing that Nick ever said he could ever take seriously really and, um, i never have was, never heard yeah. that i never heard that that's interesting because yeah. you know dave reckons he's, he's always been religious mm-hmm. um so so he sort of held that against nick i think for, for a while but but yeah the song i mean unbelievable but fantastic song um interesting subject obviously relates around the, the cover as well mm-hmm. uh and again marty's first solo um you know atmospheric not just full-on like, blistering but he's i think it's about his fourth solo um, where he just, you know, absolutely unleashes. And that's, I think that's the first time where he just, just does a, a full on fast solo. And you're like, wow, what a prodigy. Absolutely amazing. And Dave's final solo, once again. Um, yeah. Is, oh, you know, yeah. The holding the night. I mean, that is just <clears throat> that is brutal. But, uh, you know, the structure is just so good. The, the How they're even thinking about um, at the end of a song, just having so many solos uh, and <laughs> just going backwards and forth between each other. And then just having a little bit of a, a, a you know, a time break and then cracking into another solo. It's just amazing. I don't know whether this is true, but um, apparently there's 11 solos in this album, on this song. Um, and you know how they did a remake um, of The World Needs a Hero, like uh, Return to Hangar 18? Mm-hmm. Apparently that's got seven solos on it. So it's a total of 18 solos between the two, two ah. songs. Whether that's, you know, whether that's right or not. But, Look at that. But no, great song. Love it all the way through, and especially the yeah, just the the end with all the solos and the the, 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 the backwards and forwards between Marty and Dave. Oh yeah, brilliant. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Matthew? Well, I tell you what, <clears throat> if the first track grabbed you by the throat, it's the second track that'll start shaking you around. <laughs> this is it's another great one. I love 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 the intro to this. It's almost like there's three intros. The way it starts, you got that, da, 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 and then it goes into. Da, da, da. I don't know. I love it all. It's, yes. The thing I love <clears> about <throat> this, this is a song where I thought it's not so much about Dave singing in this, which is fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's the music that I really love in this. And like you talked about some of the um, the solos, particularly that last one. I, I had a note here. My only problem with the last solo, you know, and this is when that it's screaming, it's just wailing. And it goes into that real fast picking. Yeah, is it? It's the best solo out of this song, I think. But it also means it's the end of the song, and it's like, ah, oh, gotta go back and listen to this little musical section again because <laughs> it's it's almost musical perfection. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Dave just does a really good job. It's one of the lines I always think about if I think of this song is the use of his military intelligence. You know, two words combined that can't make sense mm-hmm. for me. That's just a little standout line. But no, this is another great track. And it's if I think of this album, I think of this and um, and Rust in Peace. That's the two standout tracks. And it's a great – talk about one-two punches. 
Well, these are two mm-hmm. pretty heavy hitting tracks to start off <clears> an album with. But it's funny because I've seen uh, a little less than love for this track as well. I never understood why because to me it's one of my favorite Megadeth tracks anyway. Unless mm. it's just maybe it's just a little pale and rust in peace for some people, but to me I just hold them both very, very high. They're um, two stellar tracks. Yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't know anything. Sorry, I was going to say that it was interesting what you said, Mark, because I had no idea about. Uh, Nick Menza having done the the lyrics for this, that was all news to me. Yeah, he's really into that sort of stuff, and you know the whole alien thing and conspira- conspiracies, and and apparently that was a big part of who he was. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah um, I think you know you said you've seen a little less than love for it. I think it's because it follows Holy Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're yeah. talking about following a song that you know, there's so many. I hate saying it, you know, the greatest ever. You know, because but you're talking about one of the greatest metal songs ever. I mean, one of there's there could be a million one ofs, but it's perfect song. Holy Wars is, and then and then you get done with that. <clears throat> Where do you go from there? You go straight into another just song at this breakneck pace. It's just like you know, as quick as Holy Wars ends, and it's just I mean, it's just like it's no holds like you said. If if that had you by the throat, you know, then this was picking you, basically picking you up off the ground now, and um, I mean, but it's perfect. It's it's it, and there's so many different little riffs. I mean, each one of these songs, like the guy that made the comment that said, "Let's say you wrote the ten best metal riffs ever, and you put them all in one song, and then you go to the next song, and there's a whole bunch of more." Just like to me, this album is just full of just riff after riff after riff after technical riff and just played meticulously and just so many stops and starts and just little things that it's, it's all so tight. They seem like, like, I don't, I think Mark said it, that you had a new band here. You didn't really know what to expect because I don't think that the, the unit that played together on either of the first two, you know, the last two units that were together with Chuck Baylor and, um, Jeff Young and then uh, Chris Poland and Gar Samuelson. I don't think either of them were as tight as this unit is. And this is their first unit, you know, first album with this band. So, but man, it's just, it's intense. And, you know, and then here we go again with, you get to the, uh, you know, the, the vocals and, and here's Dave playing these, you know, playing these rhythm parts while he's singing these lines and, you know, he's playing intricate rhythm lines. He's playing leads. He's singing. He's done it all. And to me, this just this song's another masterpiece. It is. It's it's just a, a notch below Holy Wars. Not much, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know because Holy Wars to me is perfection. Um, <clears throat> but the music again, it's perfect. Nick Menza kills it on this song too. Um, he does. Yeah, and the solo. There's a solo that. It comes in at it's three minutes and forty eight seconds, where it's just like it's, one, it's the, like one of the very first of that long bunch of solos that happens, where it's you know, and it's oh man, I it's, think that's Marty's. Yeah. Oh, it's Marty's so good. Solo, I think. Whoever's it is, it's awesome. Um, it's and, like a thrash jam. Oh, it is, and it's it's, it's like you said, it's like they play a solo. Then another one, and then and then you keep thinking it's going to be over. And another one, and another one, and then finally that last one, where it's kind of you can hear the note getting higher and higher and higher, and then all of a sudden you got that like almost I don't know that that beat that that super fast to end the song. It's just like 
it's just like the intensity just gets more and more and more and more till the very end until it just it's almost like a car wreck. It just stops. It has to stop. You know, it just hits a brick wall because it was just too frenetic, man. I, I could take another minute or so of that. All that mm-hmm. music towards the end. But the best, yeah. one of the best things is that the solos aren't just shredding solos. It goes back to what we talked about before. There's melody. Yes, in them mm. as well, like real structure. It's not just playing as fast as we can for the sake of playing fast. There's some really nice. It's tastefully done. It's still aggressive, yeah. but well, it's not just playing fast for the sake of playing fast. Well, what I are think the, the the beauty? Go ahead. Sorry about about with um when you knew it was going to be a single, like when the album was released, um and when it first came after Holy Wars, when that first comes in, you think okay, the solid beat, and this is going to be the big single, but. It's not like a single that other bands release where it's quite obviously sort of commercial. This <laughs> just fits perfectly in with the album, and it's 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 heavy and when it's you know the way it goes into all those solos at the end, it is not your typical like oh this is the one we're going to throw out there just to try and you know hook a few more people in. It is just technically brilliant and and you know powerful and it just it's just such a beautiful part of the album. It fits in nicely, even though it's a single. Well, I had a question regarding singles as well. So I don't know. I know that they had these two. I remember uh-huh. seeing the film clips. Was there another single off here? I don't think so. Uh, and it wasn't? No. Uh, that was Tornado of Souls this year? Uh, uh, that, uh, yeah. I had a, a note here that if there had been another single, and I, I was thinking about it later on, that that would have been what I thought could have been a single, but I didn't know if it was yeah. or not. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't recall no. reading that there was another one. So, mm. <laughs> two for two. Yeah. I think we've said for this now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's a good start. Yeah. So the next next song is um, "Take No Prisoners." Why don't you uh, take no prisoners and tell us what you think of it? Oh, okay. So take no prisoners. So you know we had that all that sort of stuff, that real heavy rhythm going between the breaks in Hangar 18. Mm-hmm. So the start yeah. of this song reminds me of that. And I was thinking, we've already had those really heavy rhythms on Hangar 18. And I feel like that we're going back into that with the start of this song. 
And then Dave starts wailing and we get these background vocals that, for me, it doesn't work for me. So this was a track that I just never cared for. Ooh. It, I don't know what the general consensus is on this, but it just feels like there's things bursting and spitting everywhere. And <laughs> it felt to me like the song doesn't get a chance to breathe. It's just like a flat-out attack. There's yeah. no – it's not that it's not cohesive. There's just not a flow to it like the other tracks have had so far. Uh, it's – it's still really, really aggressive, and I'm fine with that. Um, but the take no prisoners and all. Uh-huh. The last part of it flows better, but it's just not a song I could ever get into. I, I can I can appreciate the technicalities within it, but it's just not a song that I've liked. I do like some of the lyrics in there. Um, actually, I do like the lines. You, this is one. It reminded me of uh, Disposable Heroes from Metallica. So your hmm. body, your body has parts your country can spare. No, you, in other words, you, you can be thrown away. Yeah, by the way, meat. son, here's your wheelchair. Exactly. What does that say about you? Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. else. Imagine how many Vietnam vets could have related to those lines. Oh, I'm sure they could. But yeah, it just made me think about uh, the other Metallica song, which is also a great song. That's a Some good call. That's like, well, just the way I felt about it when I was reading through the lyrics. I was like, I'm trying to take something out of this that I like. I don't mind the second part of the song, but overall... I mean, maybe it, it suits. Maybe the music does suit the subject matter. Like, mm-hmm. it's so jaunty and aggressive and attacking. But it just doesn't flow well enough for me personally, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I'll go next on this one. Um, <clears throat> like, to me, it, it, I, I like it. It starts an, intense again with another riff. I mean, you know, where that... It's just really fast. And I, and I really, you know, when he starts singing, got one chance... Infiltrate. I love those gang vocals. I love them. I was like, I was like, this is the way a gang vocal ought to sound, you know, not like, you know, another album we were talking about last week should, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I really, really, it, to me, and like you said, this there, it doesn't let up. It takes no prisoners really, you know, it's just, it's intense. And based on the subject of the song and what they're singing about, it absolutely makes sense, you know, that there that there's just it's go for it's going for the throat. I mean, it, to me, it's like it's three for three. It, it, Bayonetting you. Yeah. Is is this song as good as Hangar 18 or Holy Wars? No, but it's still. I mean, but you're 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 literally holding the bar as high as you possibly can with Holy Wars and saying, you know, you can't. It's everything can't be this good. It's just not possible. But to me, it's a solid. I think it's a solid track. Uh, I, I like it. You know, the chorus is a little bit kind of, you know, goofy, but, but I mean, I kind of like it. I like listening to it. But, and I love the line, don't ask what you can do for your country. Ask what your country can do for you. <laughs> you know, and, and the line that you pointed out about, you know, uh, your body parts, your country spares, by the way, son, here's, here's your wheelchair. I, I, I really like that too. And, um, but I like the intensity of the music too. I, I think it's really, I mean, this is just, you're three songs in and none of these songs has led up at all. Like, I mean, if you were, if you were hoping for, uh, you know, turning this album on and getting in my darkest hour somewhere in the very beginning of it, you know, you're uh, or even into the lungs of hell, you know, something that you can kind of, you know, bop along to. <laughs> so, catch your breath. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there is no catching your breath on this, on these three. So, but I really like it. And I do, I really like the, you know, you know, the, where they just say, you know, typhus, you know, I, I guess being older, I, you know, when I was younger, I would just sing along. I didn't really know what the words all meant, but when I was singing it as, you know, last week, listen to it. And I was saying, 
did you know typhus deteriorate or you know what is it he says typhus deteriorate them epidemic and i was like oh that's a disease okay they're talking about diseases to you know get rid of people and stuff and i thought it made more sense as an adult you know than now i'm just a stupid adult you know before i was a stupid kid that (laughs) knew even less and um but yeah i really like this song a lot too um it's not it doesn't like i said it, it it's you're 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 putting a really high bar where it's starting out, but I think musically it's intense, and I just think it's a cool song. So, uh, Mark, what about you? Yeah, I I absolutely love this song. I just think the the ripping is incredible. For me, it's just a great continuation on. I mean, I always love a World War Two theme, you know, song, which obviously it's it's all about mm-hmm. um, with panzers and and tanks and all that sort of stuff, and and being gassed and and um, poisoned and and everything about it. But that. You know the the lightning fast ripping at the start where Nick yeah. Manzo keeps on like doing his fills and then stopping and then you oh yeah like I mean you're thinking oh my god how can you play that fast so good and then to go in yeah it's brilliant and um you know you actually get to hear um Dave Ellison's like actual bass sound you know he does that little little interlude oh yeah yeah going to war give him hell. Yeah, his bass is more prominent on this album than any other album. You can actually hear it, which which is great, and the sound is is really really good. Uh, you know, I see him as a tight bass player, but not he's not like a Cliff Burton where he's you know where he's doing all his own stuff and doing bends and twists. He's just like a, a tight, solid, yeah. you know, almost like a good session um, bass player. What what do you want? Reliable, you know, uh, immaculate type. But the sound is really really good, and it suits suits all the songs on it. But yeah, it's a uh, you know, and like you alluded to with um. Um, like the JFK reference, you know, from uh-huh. his inaugural speech in 1961. It's obviously a play on words on that. Yeah. So I love the fact that he's even been political uh, in that, but twisting it around so that it's more self-centered as opposed to what JFK's message was, which was the opposite. You know, think about what you can do for your country, not for yourself. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the song. I think it's just, yeah, for me, it's a continuation. Obviously, it's 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 could never touch Holy Wars or, um, and then and Hangar 18 is better than it as well. But I, I still think it's an absolutely strong, solid song with beautiful riffing. Yeah. Well, you, you know, yeah. th- that you mentioned that um, about the JFK thing, I was just thinking about that. You know, there's the line, your body parts, your country spares, by the way, son, here's your wheelchair. And then he's the next, I wouldn't even, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. You know, he once had to be all he could be, which is an army slogan, be all you can be. Uh, now he's nothing for no one, nowhere to see. Funny thing, it's like you and me, it's a funny thing. And then he says, yeah. don't ask what you can do for your country because you've already given it all. Ask what they can yeah. do for you now, which I think is kind of a cool, it's a cool play because he's going from, you already go. You already went to war and you go into war and giving them hell, you know, like you said, D-Day, next stop Normandy and all that stuff, everything. And then you come back and you're in a wheelchair and then they still want you to say, you know, don't ask what, you know, yeah. ask what I'm trying to remember how JFK said it now. <laughs> don't ask it's what, ask not what you, ask not what you can do. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's a really, it's a cool, it's a cool twist on that, that he did. I, I agree with that. <clears throat> the lyrics yeah. are impressive. It's not just something trying to sound cool. Yeah. Like, you know, there's yeah, some thought provoking stuff behind it. Th- that's what's yeah, so cool about this album is everything seems pretty well thought out. I mean, and let me, let me ask you guys this because it's been said a lot that, you know, you got the big four bands, you got Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax and Slayer. And usually Megadeth is considered 
the technical band, you know, the most technically, you know, riffs and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, Anthrax is kind of technical, right? But Uh, not the same way that Megadeth is, I wouldn't have said. Okay. Okay. That's okay. So let me ask you this of the four bands, Mark, you first, how would you rank them in order of favorite to least favorite? Um, what you mean, the actual, the, the, ba- bands. the, the bands themselves. Yeah. Um, oh, for me, it'd probably be Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. Okay. So. What, what about you, Matt? Uh, Megadeth, early Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer. Yeah. I, I think- would say Metallica up until justice. I didn't care after that. I like some stuff after Justice, but I I struggle because I was such a big Metallica fan when I was er, younger. Yeah. But like, if I was going with now, as opposed to my whole life, I would say Megadeth, Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer. That's what I would do now. But if I was back in the nineteen ninety, I wouldn't yeah. like that. But today, yeah, I would put Anthrax above Metallica. Yeah, but I mean, but but Metallica is awesome too. I mean, to me, the. Megadeth, Anthrax, and, and Metallica are all really high for me. And Slayer, I like Slayer, some of their stuff, but not. To me, to me the, if I think of Thrash, playing fast for the sake of playing fast is generally how I would think of Slayer. Yeah. But then, you know, I could be wrong. I haven't listened to all their catalog, not anywhere close to it. Yeah. But yeah. this is this is like a different ball game. Listen to. to oh, Megadeth. yeah. 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 Okay. But cool. I think the difference also with Slayer. Um, I think like with the other three bands, they've all like progressed and evolved with based on the situations of their lives and with age and lots of stuff, and and they've been on different journeys. I think Slayer, like for me, they're like Shadow Mercy. Their first album was just unbelievable. You know, I, I love that one's probably my favorite. And then probably South of Heaven. Yeah. And then um, um, you know, Seasons in the Abyss, and obviously we all know the, the classic um album, uh, Rain in Blood. But all the stuff that came after, oh, I don't know from. Jesus Saves, like World Painted Blood, and all the ones that came out after that, I couldn't really get into them because they just all sounded the same. Hmm. I was, I was, was, I was thinking it's like the ACDC of thrash. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of people, the hardcore fans, who love them, probably like that about them. The fact that mm-hmm. they haven't changed, whereas I like sort of like South of Heaven, the more the and Seasons of the Abyss, where it's more melodic, lots yeah. of stuff. But um, and that's the difference between Megadeth. I think I've got them right up there just because of how prolific they are. What disappoints mm-hmm. me about Metallica is they they don't put out much stuff, but Metallica, I mean Megadeth, they're putting out heaps of stuff and so much good stuff, you know. Even recently, even even now, so that's what I just admire about the fact that they can keep on doing that and, uh, and sound good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so the next song up is Five Magics.
again, it's another intense start, you know, and you, you've been through three songs with pretty much just punishing, punishing riffs and everything straight through the whole things. And this one you get, it, it starts off really, you know, and then all of a sudden it slows down and you're like, whoa, you know, and, and it's, it's got some really cool riffs that are being played, some, some really cool soloing going on and. A lot of cool music, music get going on there. You know, it's still, but it's heavy. It's heavy, but it's in a, it's in a different way. It's not like brutally heavy. It's just heavy, and um, you know, until we finally get up to where Dave starts to sing it, and the music kicks back in, where he's, you know, bestow upon me knowledge, wizard, all knowing, all wise. Um, and this song I like a lot. I, it's like there's so much of the technical prowess, I guess you call it going on in every song and it's just there's it goes all over the place there's no, no none of these songs are just straightforward at least well there's only well there is one later but <clears throat> but there's just so many different turns on it and which like what we were just saying it put megadeth in a different league for me you know i mean i just was like there's just there's something i hate to call it intelligent smart metal or whatever you want to call it but man there's just something smarter about the music they write and, and, um, but still just kick ass, you know? <laughs> and, um, this song, it just, it goes through, you know, I love that. There's the, there's the, uh, the, 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 the five magics he lists, alchemy, wizardry, sorcery, thermatology, which I looked up and thermatology is the science of treatment of disease by heat. <laughs> Um, oh my god! I thought it was about thermomixes. Uh, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but <laughs> but literally, it, it come up. That, that's just what it, it almost comes up like it's not even a word. But then, but, but then the last of the magics, electricity. <laughs> so, but um, and then this song, you know, the way the song kind of ends, you know that with that really fast riff going on, and then it's just. It's just intensity and more musical mastery until the song ends. And it just stops. It's just like a punch in the face, man. <clears throat> it is just freaking intense. And this is this is another song that that I really, really like. So um <clears throat> I'm sorry. I I'm trying to uh trying not to cough here, but um please, please don't die. Yeah. the episode hey that'd be that'd be a that'd be a, that'd be, <laughs> a, be a first it'd be a first and it'll last it'd be a good memorable one <laughs> i guess you can say to mark how are we gonna edit around this exactly oh that's funny okay so um uh matthew five magics what do you think yep five magics indeed like you say this start it's another it's a pretty brutal little start, but then it gives way. I like the intro at the start of this, where it's got that dreamlike y sequence to it. And yeah. it makes me think it could be the start of a horror movie. You know, yeah. you start walking into the forest or something <clears> like that. It's, it's misty, and you know that something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to go down. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Dave's let, he's just letting rip, you know, bestow upon me magic. Yeah. And it just takes things on from there. Uh, I really do like this song. And it's got a nice little midsection into it. The chorus, I don't mind. It's a simple chorus. And it's repetitive. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. So I've said before, you know, sometimes simple things are the best things. 
it works for it. The one thing I've never liked about this song, though, and you probably do, mm-hmm. is this, I have the same issue with this song that I did with the last one. I don't like those little background vocals that. Well, oh, really? Background at Dave Ellis. That sounds comical when he's, he's trying to sound like the demon or whatever. And I was like, it's kind of makes you cringe. Oh, you mean when he goes possessed with hellish torment? Yeah, it's oh, like man. It's a Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, I, I think it fits. It just it just fits for me. Yeah, I like uh, it. It's, it just takes the edge off it a little, the seriousness. But he sounds really good, David Olufsen, in this as well. Uh, is playing. But I don't know. That's my only problem with the song. Otherwise, like you said, the end of this song is just blistering. I love the solo in that musical yeah. section. This is another one where I wish so much that it had just gone a little longer mm-hmm. because it's just on fire. It um, is. It just comes to that abrupt end. You know, wish you'd go a little longer. It just sucks you right in and bang, this song's over. Leaves you, you know? wanting more. That's mm. one of the good things about it, I guess, because uh, it'll take you to the next track. But no, this is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what about you, Mark? Yeah, it's funny. When I when I was first thinking about uh, like revisiting the album, I remember thinking to myself, oh, Five Magics, that's probably one of my least favorite. But then after you know listening to the album, heaps of times again and just getting reacquainted with everything yeah it just surprised me how much i loved it and the, obviously the bass side is just as beautiful as, as you were saying that and um you know great sound dave dave's bass playing on it it's just awesome um you know the solos are, are, are such an interesting like structure it's all they've all they're all technically different but what he does in the song is is um it's fascinating. Just I don't know how you can throw so many different disjointed um, type riffs together, yet it just <laughs> sounds so you know so beautiful and, and like it all fits like a jigsaw just going perfectly together. Um, I do. I'm a bit like you, Steve, with the with the. I, I like the backing uh, vocals or Dave Ellison's like you know backing vocals. I was yeah. actually watching it recent on their last tour. They play that song or a recent tour, and um, it, so and I was watching that on YouTube and and it showed. Ellison doing the um, backing vocals, but they had so much pedal distortion, or, or it, it, so you actually full on sounded like Satan, you know, or yeah. what you'd imagine. Um, it's probably over the top, and I thought that was a bit too much. But the way it sounds on the album, I, I really, really like it. And um, there's like a whole bunch of solos on the album, but, uh, on the song. But Dave's final solo, you know, once again, uh, like you, you both said, just the way it just comes to a crunching end mm-hmm. is just yeah, perfect. I really, really rate the song highly. I like it. Yeah, it's one of those, to me, like you said, you look at the name of it and you go, oh, you go, oh, it's Five Magics. Yeah, that one's okay. And then you listen, yeah. you almost forget how good everything is until you start hearing it again sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, I thought you'd, I was interested to hear your take on it because I know what you're like with fantasy and, and uh, all that sort of stuff. So, And when I was just going through the lyrics, I was quite interested to see uh, what your take would be on it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's it, it has a lot to do with everything. I mean, there it's intense. You know, you've already you know you've already been three songs of intense music brought into your you're you're being pushed. It's like you're being steamrolled. Like you're almost there's something behind you just pushing you forward, and you just have no control over it. And it just come. It's just it, it. You just take it as it comes. And I mean, Dave sounds great. The it, the music is intense everything about like you said like there's so many intricate riffs and so many technical things going on how do you make all that work together and i mean man he was a um 
I'm trying to think of someone, you know, the, the guy that said, I can't believe a human being can produce such a masterpiece. And like every one of these songs, like he really, like Matt said, it's not like he just threw this stuff together. These are well thought out and crafted mm-hmm. and put together mm-hmm. and so many different great riffs in every song. It's not just like, you know, like, like the, like the dude said 10, there's like, there's so many great riffs just in Holy Wars. And then the next song starts and then there's a whole bunch of more great riffs in there. And it's just like, how do you piece that together and fit all that together to make it just sound so good? And he did it. Um, but yeah, lyrically, it didn't bother me at all. It's just, I, I just, I love the, the way the song sounds. If the song sounded like crap, you know, like other songs that sometimes have, you know, lyrics about, uh, you know, stuff that you're kind of alluding to. I know what you're talking mm. about and I won't mention it, <laughs> but, um, you know, usually to me, those vocals don't sound good and the music doesn't sound good and it just sounds cheesy and a- outdated and, you know, this stuff sounds fresh. So it sounded fresh then it sounds fresh now. So, um, <laughs> so the next song up, the next song up is. I'm just uh, shaking. My, I'm just shaking my head here. Yeah, you I know you are. That, um, Dave Mustaine has been quoted as saying that he got the inspiration for lyrics from Ronnie James Dio. You do I'm know so, that. I, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that again, please? <laughs> I don't really care where the inspiration for the lyrics came I from. As long because it's not true, I only made that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're just you're just feeding Matthews. Uh, uh, you know, I told you Matthews the uh, troublemaker of the show. You're just feeding into it. So. Oh, so, um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm about to die on air if Matthew doesn't stop. So, um, the next song up is Poison Was the Cure. Matthew, will you go ahead on that, please? Poison the cure? Is that going to stop you coughing? I hope so. I'm, I'm hoping this tea will. <laughs> uh, this I really, really like the start of this song. This is another eerie starting song. Um, it's funny because when we when you talked about doing this, and I know I spoke to you a few days ago, and I was like, oh, I think this is a bit overrated. This album. Mm-hmm. But listening to it the last few days, these were some of the songs I, I used to think were weak. Uh huh. Not. Not weak songs, but weaker 
in the context of the album, like we said, the first two songs are yeah. so strong. Yeah. And I used to think that was the be all end all. But this week, I've come away. I love this song now, this Poison Secure. Mm-hmm. So you got Dave, oh, Ellison, doing his stuff on here again. I love this. He's got this heavy riff running through this. It's great. Yeah. Um, but oh, Dave is on fire in this in the best way ever. Mm-hmm. He's spitting these lyrics out. I, was, I put a note here. This is a dude that's been wronged. His opinion, <laughs> and he's just letting the matter just fly everywhere in this. And some of these lines I thought were really cool. So he had a sna- I, when I I couldn't even keep up when he was spitting these out, reading the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So it was a snake you were when we, when we met. I loved you anyway. Pulling out your poison fang, the fen- uh, the sorry, the venom never goes away. I was like, God, that is such a cool line. Yeah, to have it there. But his delivery is just nasty. Yeah, in this. Mm. And I don't know. This is, it come away being one of my favorite tracks. It's still not a Hangar 18 or a um, Holy Wars. Holy Wars, but it's up there. It just doesn't give up. And I'm just trying to think. Is this the song? It made me think. It made me think of back in the village. I think it was this one. Or if it's <clears> creature, <throat> I could be getting no. What I'm wearing the riff, but it's just insane. There's some intense yeah. double bass drumming going on in this song too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the other part of this, um, you know, taste the water, life's abundant. Yeah, <laughs> I love, I love that little line there. But no, this is another great track. It's, um, it's surprising. What I thought was weaker, yeah, in this album is some of the stuff that I really, really like and find it to be its strengths. Now it's just, it's interesting. My whole thought process on this album's changed from when I listened to it years and years ago to to this week. Maybe, maybe I wasn't ready for this album. When it came out, mm-hmm. I can appreciate it a whole lot more now. But no, this is a beauty. Well, yeah, your your take on it so far is much better than I was expecting. So, I, you know, what, to be honest, I was like, oh, rest in peace. I don't really care for that. Like, I like some. Of the That's other literally people. what he said, Mark. He's like, eh. Oh wow. I know, and yeah. I was just like, I, I was just like, I was ready to just to hand over uh, his mantle to you, Mark, and let you take <laughs> over for him next week. As the as the stupid <laughs> stupidest man in podcast land. <laughs> no. <coughs> uh, Mark, what do you think about Poison Was the Cure? Yeah, I, t- I mean, obviously all about his, you know, drug habits. Uh, all the lyrics are all about that, and he just spits it out beautifully about how he hates it, and obviously the last thing he says is, taste me. I mean, all the references to, to mm-hmm. drugs obviously hit pretty hard with him. And, um, yeah, drumming by, by Nick is 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 brilliant, as is, as like Matt said, with the, with the bass start. Um, and the sound of it, and that the tempo is probably the most the sort of most basic out of all the songs, I think. Um, but what they're doing with the ripping over it is it's an interesting song. It's it's not my favorite on the album, yeah. Um, but I love I love um, like Marty's solo to finish it. Um, uh-huh. It's absolute cracker. So <clears throat> so yeah, you know, great great song. Yeah, I I'll, think Matt sort of pretty much said everything about it. Really, yeah, y'all both kind of said it also. Um, I'll just say uh, it's another intense song. The the riffing that's going on while Dave is playing, you know, singing. Oh nice. man, it's insane! But it's it's the song's less than three minutes long. It's I said it's a whirlwind of riffs, vocals, and intense drumming. It's a quick but a very satisfying listen, man. It's just yeah, it's 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 just it's another one of those like you say. You when I looked at the title of it, I couldn't have told you how the song went by looking at the title. Mm. 
And then, but to listen, you know, like I said, there's nothing that, well, we haven't got that far yet, but so far on this album, there's nothing that I'm going, hey, can I have those five minutes back, those three minutes back? This is, it's all good stuff. So mm. continuing on with that trend. Um, uh, yeah, well, I was just thinking, that's a song. It's so close to feeling like it's going out of control. Uh-huh. I, I can liken it to like, you know, riding the crest of a wave and waiting for that thing to ha- just hammer down on you. Some, somehow <laughs> and, they just managed you, to hold yeah. onto the reins. And you've just summed up like probably drug dependency or heroin dependency, which is what he was, you know, yeah. singing about. And that, so it's, it's probably um, wow. a perfect metaphor for it. Yeah. Yeah. So getting into another one, Mark, tell us about. Um, I think what you said might have been uh, one of your former girlfriend's names, Lucretia. more two with poison was the cure um, <laughs> <laughs> no it's um yeah it's probably the least complex you know song on the album i love it i love the start obviously with that that laugh that little, little laugh which you yeah obviously hear you hear again on another song uh-huh. later album yeah um victory i think it is but yeah. um uh yeah, Ellison, that's the only other sort of writing credit he's got. Oh, he's got a writing credit, one or two, I think, with, with this song too. So, um, yeah, you know, there's not a great deal I can sort of say about it. It's, I, I, I do love the song, but it's, um, you know, I love the solos. Um, once again, the technicality of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not right up there for me as far as it's not up to the standard of all the rest of the songs. Um, so, 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 yeah. That's about all I can say about it. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm like you. I, I like uh, I like the laugh, you know, you know, and then that, you know, then it, the way it is in, um, like you said, victories. Lucretia says, <laughs> "Not <Yeah>. even close." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but this it's a slower song, but the riffing is still really good in it. Um, one of my favorite things in this song is is something I'm expecting Matt to say he doesn't like, but. You know, my friends all say, Dave, you're mental anyway. Hey, hey. I love those. Uh, no, I don't mind that part, actually. Okay. I like I like those in these songs. You know, he he has a few of them where he's by himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I like the ones when it's the group, too. I think it even sounds better. Um, again, there's just so many great riffs in the song. The drumming's great. The guitar playing's great. Everything, the, just as far as the album goes, 
if this was just an instrumental album, this would be a musical masterpiece, you know? It'd just be enjoyable to listen to, even without it. But um, I think the the way that Dave sings the verses is really cool, you know, along with the guitar. You know, you know, he he kind of I just think it everything goes together very well and it fits well. I love this song. It's it's another God dang, it's just another great song, man. This this album at this point, I'm just I I love everything on this album. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic. You know, when you, you rank these things always get ranked up against, well, what's the best Metallica album? What's the best Slayer? What's the best Anthrax? And I mean to me, I don't want to say what I was thinking earlier about what album I thought this would be because let me ask you guys this. One album. If you were going to name one album, what's the best album by any band in the big four? The best one album total of all four bands. Mark. Uh, oh, Top of your head, what would you Puppets. say? Master of Puppets, Metallica. What would you say, Matt? Yeah, I'd say Puppets as That's well. what I think too. And, and, and I was thinking earlier, I think this is better than Master of Puppets. So <laughs> I just... It's, I would, uh, it's so hard, isn't it? There, there you go. There's your next one. Mm. <laughs> the, the best of the big four. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I want to get into that or not. I mean, it's it's always hard. Like I said, it's hard to say because I think Matt, we all just said you think of one album by all those bands, and the first one that comes to mind is Master of Puppets. So, what does that yeah. say about it? I mean, it's a pretty hard one to beat. It's a hard one to beat, man. I just uh, they're they're both fantastic albums, though. I love Master of Puppets. I love this one. I also think P Cells is a pretty perfect album too. So, um, but. Neither here nor there, I guess. So, okay, Lucretia, um, Matthew, what do you think? Oh, Lucretia, that's right, it's me. Uh, this is, I don't know about this song. So this is another song where I used to think back to it. This is one of the weaker links on this album. That's the way I used to think. And then I was hmm. listening to it this week, and I listened to it today, still trying to gauge what I think, and I don't know. I, was like, I like this song, but it feels like it's kind of going in lots of different directions, and I don't know... If it's Dave's lyrical, uh, sorry, his vocal delivery, like he's driving lines out and then ending them in Wales, which is all kind of fine. But it's just the way it, it's got this ebb and flow about it, and it doesn't really sit well. But it's hard to explain. I like some of the musical sections in it, I particularly like the middle instrumental and the solo section. But it's like it's a song of two halves. <clears throat> it's got this chaotic kind of start to it, is what I feel. But I can't really put my finger on it. It's like sometimes I end up liking a thing for what I see as its initial flaws. And I wonder if that's what I think about this. If I like the chaos to it, <laughs> I just don't know. I think the second half of it's cool as hell, though. But I don't know how to process this song within my mind. It just seems strange. It's a real odd sort of song to me. Hmm. I could say I don't like it one day, and I'm sure I could say I do like it another. And I do kind of like the fact that I can't make it out to which way I want to go. Because it's making me think about the song. Like, I'm trying to decipher what I think about it. So it's making me think, which is, it's art. It's supposed to make you think. So, I don't know. It's a way to waffle on that I don't really have an answer for this song. It confuses me. Oh, wow. Mm. It's really strange. It's a really odd song to me. I don't know how to explain it. All I can say is, surely that... Like the cat, Matt waffles away. Yeah. 
Probably. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very interesting. I can't say I dislike it because I don't dislike it. I just don't know how much I like it. Oh, man. I love it. It's the uh, most random comment I can give you. Yeah, it's pretty random there. So, uh, so Mark is going to uh, fill us in on the next song, Tornado of Souls. <laughs> Souls, I think um, I think most people would think that's an all-time absolute classic. You know, it's got Ellison's writing credits again. Um, perfect. It could have been a single as well. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't the third single that we were discussing, it de- definitely could have been. Um, I think that's for people that have been critical of Dave's vocals, I think any song on this album, if they wanted to criticise one, it might be the delivery um, on this song, the way he sort of sings, but I I absolutely love it. I think it just suits the song, you know, you're perfect. And um, I love the way, like, um, the guitar bridges uh, between or between the verses. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's um, um, yeah, like that little bridge between each verse. I think is, is fantastic. Yeah. The highlight, the highlight of the song has got to be uh, Marty's solo, um, which mm-hmm. is probably is his best ever. I mean, it is just brutal. And if you if you get to this point in the album, like it's song number seven. And he's just all of his solos have just fitted the songs, suited them perfectly, uh, and he hasn't had to show off or anything. I think if he was decided now's the time to show off, he's done it in his song, and it's just in- incredible. Uh, I think the lyrics, like he obviously the song he wrote or Dave said that he wrote um, the day that he split up with his fiance, so it's you know being in the eye of the tornado and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you look at the lyrics, they're, they're specific to it, which I, I find quite interesting, and and where he would have been coming from. You know, it is a mental space at the time, so they're pretty brutal, and the delivery is pretty brutal. I think it's a, it's just it's a epic, Megadeth um, standout track um, that sits beautifully in this album, but obviously overall is, is one of their one of the one of their best um, in summing up everything that's good about Megadeth. I think is in this song, yeah, really good. Excellent, excellent, Matthew. I like this. This is one where I I really did wonder if this would have been a single, and if it wasn't, it could have been. I was like, this is just like a, it's a more traditional metal track within the the scope of this album. It's kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah. It hasn't given away all its pace by any stretch, but it's probably the closest thing you can get to a breather from start to finish. (laughs) It really is. A tornado is a breather. (laughs) Well, it is in this case. Um 
yeah, I thought it was a pretty standard track within the context of this album, but I really like it. Um, this a cool middle section of this. I like the little land of opportunity bridge that he runs into with this. Yeah. And I think it would have been an interesting single. I think this is just more accessible. It's not too technically driven the way some <laughs> of the ones are. And you, so you said that, oh, Mark, about his vocal delivery. Did you think it was mm. a little weaker on this? Is that what you said? Um, yeah, I, I think just with the, with the opening, um, oh. just the way he sort of, uh, the way he goes, um, oh, what is it? The way you cry, just, just the way he sort of extends his voice. Yeah. Um, I think it's him trying to be yeah. a little more emotional. I think he's got yeah, a little more feeling in what he's singing as opposed to just, you know, singing about government and, and, you know, aliens and magics and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, you know not for the money. You know, it just sort of really <laughs> in your face. Like, yeah. like, like, you know, I mean, that's what I like about it. But I can see it being um, people who, who don't like Megadeth because of his vocals listening to that and going, saying, oh, look, this is, see, this is what I don't like about it. Whereas uh, I think it's just per- perfectly, you know, in harmony with the album. Sure. The yeah, I, I had a note here. I really do like his, his delivery in this. But I think, mm. you know, I think back to the way that I used to think, and I was like, oh, okay, he's not a very strong vocalist by any stretch uh but now it's like well i can see within the scope of what he does i can't imagine anyone else being able to deliver the lines the way in which he does he's perfect for the music and i don't know i like this song i like it a lot cool cool uh for me i mean i like it again i mean i like everything so far it's it starts with another good riff and it turns into another great song, but this one's about relation, his relationship as opposed to, like we just said, like, you know, Holy Wars, singing about aliens, singing about magics, thinking, you know, about, I guess, I don't know, Lucretia rocking up in the attic or whatever. Um, but I think the riffing is good. I think the music is really good. I think his vocals are good. I think it's, uh, it's Dave trying to be not emotional, but having emotion in his voice. And it's really weird. I, I, I like, there's a, there's the bit where he says, you know, I can't say what's on my mind. Can't do what I really feel. And to me, I think you can really hear emotion in his voice as much as he has to give while he's singing. And he, he seems like he would be kind of a closed guarded guy where he would, I'm not going to let that much of myself out, yeah. even though I'm putting myself out there with these lyrics and things. Um, I think the 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 so the riffing that's happening under the guitar solos, uh, you know, is really you know there's lots of you know there's a lot of soloing going on just all over the song anyway outside of just the regular guitar solo. But the riffing, I love listening to. The, just you got two technical guitar players here. You know, you got the original lead guitarist of Metallica, you know, and then the lead guitarist of Megadeth. Plus, you got. Marty Friedman, who was this virtuoso, you know, he had been in, what was it called? Cacophony, Cacophony. with, with uh, Jason Becker or whatever. And I, I want to say something about Marty Friedman real quick. I just thought of this, you know, when he does interviews now, he doesn't want me- people to mention Megadeth. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. He's mm. more, he's J-pop and stuff like that now. And, and I, that to me, that really annoys me because I feel like if, if you were not in Megadeth, I wouldn't know who the hell you were. I wouldn't care to hear an interview with you if you were never in Megadeth. I wouldn't care if you were in a band with Jason Becker and called Cacophony or if you were in your, and he wouldn't be doing whatever he's doing over in Japan if it wasn't for Megadeth, because that's where he got so famous. I think 
But what I don't know what the circumstances were with his departure. So is that on bad terms? I don't know if it was great because the Risk album, you're familiar with Risk? Yeah, I know mm. that Dave said, oh, this is all Marty Freeman. He was, yeah, he was a big proponent behind it. Because you, you look at their albums, you know, you went from Rust in Peace, then the next album, uh, Countdown, is a little less uh, intense. Yeah, more accessible. The then Euthanasia is even more accessible. Uh-huh. Then um, uh, what was the one after that? Uh, uh, cryptic Rhymes. Cryptic Rhymes yeah. is even more accessible. And then, of course, Risk was just completely left field, which I like Risk. I don't hate Risk. I like a lot of it. Yeah, I like a lot of it, but I can understand how, you know, he was going in that direction and they had, you know, and of course Dave even says, you know, we were intoxicated by this. We're going to get this big hit. We're going to just break through because he was always kind of still chasing that Metallica Metallica. popularity. And and thank God, you know, he got over it. And I guess at at that point, Marty didn't want to be a part of it once he said, look, we're going back this other direction. So I don't know exactly what kind of terms they were on, but. Anyway, I, I just, I just, it annoys yeah. me because he did an interview with um, like Eddie Trunk or somebody big, and he and they were like, "Don't you don't don't call that, don't say anything about Megadeth." If like they would refer to him, when you were in the band, like, and I was going, "Who are you, man? Just, just, just own up to who you are and and talk about your life and don't try to, I don't know." It just it kind of annoyed me, made me dislike yeah. him. But um, he's a fantastic know, guitar player here, though. Yeah. It's got to be hard. I mean, the thing is, um, you know, Dave obviously had issues from the start with Marty, mainly because of how how good he was. But then he he like you know talking about oh wow, this, I, he didn't listen to anything from Carcophony for months and months and months because of of how Marty looked on the cover of the album, and then um, decided to listen to it uh, after being forced to by 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 the producer. And, yeah, and he's like, oh my god, this guy wants to play with us, and so he gets him along. <laughs> and he said yeah. that as soon as he um as soon as he heard Marty play, he just went into depression and went straight out and got on heroin again because he, he couldn't handle how how good this what? guy was. I've never heard but that. Then, yeah, absolutely. Then he, he got back into it. That was his excuse, which I find sort of ridiculous. But then, yeah. and then he then he followed followed up that sort of I guess the compliment by saying he was he was um intimidated by how good he was by then sort of saying but. He was only he 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 wasn't a good um, rhythm player or producer or or songwriter or he hadn't done any of that. All he could do was just lead. He couldn't do anything else. So he sort of followed up, you know, a compliment with a criticism. <laughs> how yeah. Backhand. So, yeah. And I think after five out, and that was before they even recorded, you know, um, hmm. Rust in Peace. Keeping in mind that they got Chris Poland back to do all the demo tapes. Yeah, um, I heard that. And yeah, and he was almost going to join. He was ninety nine percent in the band. Um, before he got talked changed. out of it, but yeah, but I think after five albums and those tours, and and Dave having the personality that he does, sure, imagine there'd be a whole lot of stuff that we wouldn't understand. Oh yeah, I know yeah. with the with the um with the twenty year reunion, uh, when they asked Marty to come back, and he's just like, look, you know, I'm on so much more now than what I'd be on. I'd be getting playing with you. Not that it should always be about money. Yeah. But having to play Dave's game and 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 do it his way, and which is fair enough. He's the he's the um life yeah. and soul of the band, of course. Yeah. I think I can understand him sort of look, you know what I mean? Sure, bang. I I I, I know Megadeth is is gave me gave me great exposure and has helped me be where I am today, but do I have to owe that to yeah. Dave for the rest of my life and always talk about it? So I can understand him having that sort of attitude. But you yeah. still think you'd want to talk about part of your life, you know. And and and, yeah. and it's like the guy who was interviewing him, he was interviewing him because he was, 
you know, not because he wants to hear about his new K-pop album or whatever he bubblegum Rocky does. You know, he, he wants to, you know, he wants to talk about it. It's like, okay, me, I had a chance to talk to Dennis Stratton. I talked to Dennis Stratton about yeah. all the stuff he's ever done, but you really want to hear about Iron Maiden. We talked to Blaze Bailey. You want to hear about his solo stuff, but you really want to be able to ask a few questions about Iron Maiden, you know I mean? And if they basically shut you off to all that, it's like, look, that was part of your history. And that's part of what made you attractive to all of us. You know, that's your connection. Exactly. And you're basically cutting out that connection. And I, it just irritates me anyway. I, let me get back to this here. So, um, but I, I like the way the song ends, you know, whenever, uh, when he's like, you know, when the drum, the drum pace kind of speeds up when he's like, I warn you of the fate proven true too late, you know, your tongue twist perverse come drink now of this curse. And, you know, it's just, excuse me. The song just ends really cool. You know, it, you feel my cold breath. It's the kiss of death. You know, and then that da 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 da, and it just it just ends abruptly again. You know, another one of these abrupt endings, kicking us into Matt's favorite song on the album. Matt, tell us about Dawn Patrol. <laughs> I thought you said my favorite song. Tell us about Dawn Patrol, Matthew. <laughs> Second favorite. <laughs> Dawn Patrol. So, is this an intro for the last track, Rust in Peace? If it is, then I somewhat get it. Mm-hmm. That's what I put here for this. As a standalone track, I don't care for it. Um, I do like the bass line in this, though. I'll give it that. Yeah. But I don't like Dave's vocal delivery at all in this track. That's <laughs> how much emphasis that I've got on this, mm-hmm. especially in the third and fourth verses. I was like, the lyrics themselves are okay, and I kind of wonder if they thought that these are good enough or that they're too good not to use, maybe, if that's what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. So they basically just <laughs> used the lyrics as a vehicle for this. But for me, it's just not good enough. I wouldn't listen to this on its own ever. Yeah. I, but I wouldn't skip it because it's not really hanging around all that long. Um, 
I don't know, the way they sing some of these lines, it reminds me of, I don't know, if you've got like a really bad English accent, like trying to imitate that and you're just not pulling it off. Yeah. So I don't think there's really much to say about it. If it's serving as an intro, I'm guessing it probably is. There's a bit of background for the next song, but it does nothing for me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I listen to it and I'm just like, the album has been nothing short yeah nothing short of a masterpiece at this point for me and you know it gets to this and you get that you know it's a cool bass line you know it's pretty cool you know but it's it's like it's like this everything went from pretty intense quick you know that last song ended fast and intensely and all of a sudden it just it kicks into this and you're just like you know and then he's got that real Thermal couch is rising. That real, <laughs> just you know, and it's just like, yeah, you know, what is this? And and um, I mean, to this point, I would call this a perfect album until this starts to play, and then it just basically, I, I don't understand why it's here. I mean, like we, I, I know we discussed this before, Matt, and it's kind of like, well, maybe it's an intro, you know, because it's thermal count is rising. Uh, you know, the primordial ooze and the sanity they lose, you know, waking in the morning to more air pollution warnings. And then you're going into a song about, you know, nuclear war and things. So maybe there is a, le- that, a lead into it. But if that's the case to me, that then they're back to front because the patrol reading the lyrics to this, uh-huh. this would have come after <clears throat> the events of Rust in Peace. Wouldn't that be a terrible way to end this album with that? Well, absolutely, but <laughs> it would make more sense to me if that's the case. Now, I don't know if it is or not. It would make more sense to me to just leave it off. And, and you know who wrote this song? Yeah, Dave Ellison. Yep, Ellison wrote it. So, oh, uh, he's got his bass line. And, yeah, yeah and, and I, I've never minded it. Let me say it like this. As I grew up as a you know, younger, being list, listening to this as a younger kid, I didn't hate it. But I didn't ever like it either. It was just always kind of like because there's always that, there's that one point. Uh, the one thing that I always when I sing it, I always just kind of do it with them. I was like, "Well, our n- 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 nervous systems yeah. jerk." Maybe Megadave wrecked it. Maybe Ellison had some magic here, <laughs> and Megadave just maybe yeah. Off. Whatever it is, yeah. That to me, this is the one. I would call this the one letdown. Um, this week, when I, I listened to it once or twice this week, and every other time I just skipped it because I was like, okay, I already know what's here. Uh, yeah. I don't really want to just spend another minute and a half of my life listening to it. So, um, <laughs> Mark, what about you? One minute fifty. Um, fifty. Golly, that's too yeah. long. Yeah. No, look, it, it never bothered me. I mean, I I um I used to play bass, so I loved hearing the bass line. And it, for a 41-minute album, it, it, this is under two minutes, so I never saw it. I never really saw it as a song. I just saw it as a as a basic whew, wind down and interlude before the, the 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 you know the final climax of, of the album. So I never saw it as anything other than that. Uh, I have a strange feeling that Jason Newstead might have stolen the idea for mm. his particular song on uh, on um, you know a couple of years later for the Black Album. God, oh, for uh, misery. Oh, yeah. Which so, song? Um, I, yeah. Is it isn't it God that failed? It's not do 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 Oh wow. I never even thought about that. Yeah, so you know, I sort Good of call. straight away yeah, kind of imagine that. But like I said, I never saw it as a song just because it was so so short and it was just like, ah, get the breath before the final onslaught, you know, as the last song. So I actually I actually quite liked it and I didn't mind his vocals over it. 
Uh, it's definitely, it's not, I don't think it was related to Holy Wars or a, or a you know, uh, yeah. a premise for it. Although, <clears throat> you know, it's about the effects of nuclear fallout and having to live underground um, until, you know, all the all the nuclear waste is gone or whatever. Um, so I guess it sort of does tie into it, but I don't think it was, it was meant that way. Uh, but yeah, so I don't mind it, but I can also understand why it's if you want the album just to just to go at a blistering um, pace the whole way through, it probably yeah. wouldn't be welcome. But I'm glad it's not a love song. I'm glad it's just a sort of an underground sort of real bass driven um, monotone, um, you know, um, reference to sort of nuclear war. So no, don't mind it, but I can understand it's it's not something you're going to look at and say, wow, what a great song on the album. Well, it's like, like okay, Peace Cells had eight songs. So Far So Good had eight songs, even though one of those was Into the Lungs of Hell, I guess. But that's it's yeah. a decent length, isn't it? It's a couple minutes. But and a cover. The, I can live with a cover. I can live with a cover. I just, But this is just, I was like, A, it, why don't they just leave it at an eight? If they're going to go eight and eight, just leave it as an eight-song album. I, I don't understand. I, I would like to know, or you know, it'd be interesting to hear how this got on the album, like what, because to me, nothing was going to get on any album without Dave Mustaine's approval. Mm. I know it's a him yeah. and David Ellison's band kind of, but Dave, it's Dave, you know, it's Dave, not David. So I'm curious as mm. to what made him think, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Cause it just doesn't as, as great, as technical, as intense as everything else is. Unlike it said, unless he's just like, let's give him a minute and a half, a minute and to two recover. minutes to recover, and then and then we're just gonna blow their face off, you know, rock their socks off with this last one song, you know, and <laughs> so I, I don't know. Maybe Dave, um, maybe Mustaine was trying to, you know, create an excuse for him to get get rid of Ellison in the future, you know. So looking back on that okay, song and saying, okay, well, we we can't keep you. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't want to bring it up myself, <laughs> but. uh Overall, would you guys say that not based on what happened? Because I, I know Matt's kind of told me the story of what happened with, with Dave and why he got. But I personally felt like I think it was kind of stupid that, that, that Dave, A, that he kicked him out of the band and then went and re-recorded all of his bass parts for his new album. Mm. Did you Did you guys agree with him doing that? Do you think it was a good call for him to kick Ellison out of the band at that stage of the game because of that? Or because think of the one of the things I read is all the things that rock stars were doing back in the 60s and 70s. Mm. And what he was doing was basically, for a lack of a better word, he was just pleasuring himself on camera a little bit for somebody. I think yeah. the nicest way I can think of it is uh, not that that's something that, not that what he was doing was right. But did that mean he should get you know basically what 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 is it the um the woke culture calls it uh, canceled? Like yeah. the DJ look, I think it's a bit. It might have been a knee jerk reaction. I mean, didn't he get didn't he get cleared of any charges, any wrongdoing? As yeah, far as, I mean, pretty sure. Yeah, uh, like le- legally. So yeah, if you legally haven't done anything that's gone to war and uh, you know that's not against the law, and it might just be distasteful considering yeah. their backgrounds of what they've done to themselves and the yeah. people around them with their, their previous histories to have a knee jerk reaction like that. I'm thinking, is this just an excuse because there might be something else going on? And, and mm-hmm. he decided that, um, and then just to prove the point, I'm going to get those uh, baselines re 
you know, replay just to it's show possible. how serious how people yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just, I, yeah. That's a good point. Sure. It might be more something that going on behind the scenes where he was just like, because, you know, they had the history before where David was out of the band yeah. and then he ended up suing him and there was a big legal battle. And, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, so. It's Can also you believe like, how, how, how big day, like Mustaine, that just surprises me being taken to court for over publishing rights and all that sort of stuff. And, and then actually, you know, welcoming him back in the band and, and carrying on as per normal. That, that's something that surprised me about Mustaine. That was big of him. Yeah, that seems big of him. Yeah, yeah very surprising. What were we going to say, Matt? I'm not the moral police, but from what I understand, he's a consenting adult with him, whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. So was the person he was involved with. Mm-hmm. He's married and got a family. That's not any of my business. I don't care what he does. I'm just here to listen to his music. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. Which is what it is. Now, I just think, was there was that the reason to get rid of him and bring in a hired gun, maybe? Yeah. Perhaps. But mm-hmm. when you start talking about the things that people do, I'm not saying what he did is okay. I'm not saying that it's not okay. But I've heard of things much worse uh-huh. than what I've read. Oh, yeah. But Because uh, I thought about this when Megadeth came through before, and I didn't go and see them. And a part of it was to do with the fact that Dave Ellison wasn't there anymore. <clears throat> yeah. And it wasn't like I felt jilted or anything. I was just like, okay, well, he's been, he's gone. He's come back and he's been kicked away again. So it's a bit like the Wasp situation in a way. With Chris so Holmes. Meg- yeah. Well, yeah. Wasp now is Blackie. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Megadeth now is only Dave mm-hmm. again. And I was mm. like, I don't know if I need to see this anymore. So it kind of put me off a little bit. Um, and I didn't expect it to, but that's how I came away thinking. I was like, yeah, I'm going to give this a miss. I'm not interested. If I can't see Dave and Dave. I'll yeah. give it a miss. I just think it wasn't sure, sure. It wasn't sure. worth it. No, no, fair call. Okay. Well, mm. that brings us to the last song on the album, which is Rust in Peace dot 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 Polaris.
kicks in with some really cool drums going on with, um, oh God, uh, why does name slip my mind? <laughs> Menza, Nick. Nick um, Menza, yeah. Just to me, Nick Menza is, <clears throat> I mean, to me, there's four MVPs on this album. You know, you got Marty, Dave, Nick, and David. I mean, they're, everyone's an MVP on this album. Everybody is pulling their weight. And, but like I said, I think when you compare, especially Dave Lombardo and Charlie Benante, they're really, really, really highly regarded, especially, well, both of them are. And Nick Menza comes along as the third drummer of Megadeth. And I just don't think you hear a lot of talk about him in that pantheon of how great of a drummer. And I mean, his drumming on this album, which is a, what do you call it? A thrasher piece, I guess. Mm. Is just <laughs> insanely good. Perfectly fits everywhere. I mean, his double basing is is just everything fits just right. It sounds like I said they sound as tight as Bond Scott's pants, you know. Um, but his drumming to start the you know this song is really good, you know. And then the guitar and the bass and everything kicks in that dun 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 dun. And he's just he's just kicking it every gear, and you know. And then when he when he starts singing that tremble you weaklings cower in fear, I, I love the way his voice sounds there. You know, I know it's got some kind of effect on it, but uh, it, it it sounds really really cool. And then the riff that's being played underneath the vocals, mm-hmm. it's just intense all the way through. Um, you know, and it's just this just great song. And then it and then it basically just stops, and then it fades back in. You know, with that this is one of the lines that I used to always just kind of laugh at. Just like, it's so wordy eradication of earth's population loves Polaris. <laughs> like that's a freaking line right there. You know, that's all, that's a mouthful. But, um, but then it gets into that. Just the riffing and all that stuff that's going on toward the end of the song with the drums. And it's just, you know, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And you think it's over. And it's just like, you going, man, how many more times are they going to do it? Um, but I think it's a fantastic song and it's a fantastic ending to a fantastic album. <laughs> so, um, Mark, what about you? Yeah, it is um, a brilliant song. I wouldn't. You know, it's it's not the it's not the epic ending song um, that I think would suit um, the whole album. Sure, um, but it's you know absolutely brilliant song. It's unusual that it hasn't got any distinct guitar solos. Uh, there's a couple of little short ones here and there, but there's not like da 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 in the chorus. Here's the guitar solo, next, you know, next sure. guitar solo. So I found that that's really interesting, and I know that um, I think Mustaine said that when you know obviously they swap producers uh, through because of you know, clink with that whole Guns N' Roses thing and, and yeah. sort of left halfway through. And and Mustaine wasn't sure about Mike, uh, about Max Norman. And then when he said he wanted some sort of a fill in there and, and you know, Max is like, oh, what about this? And just did the reverse thing from the from the, from the cymbal crashes. Yeah. And Dave was like, yep, you're the man. That's exactly <laughs> what we want. So, uh, you know, I, things like that are awesome. And it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, the lyrics, I think the lyrics of the – um. The chorus, like uh, that, you know, I spread the disease like a dog, discharge my pale, mile high, rotten egg of air of death, your nostrils, yeah. yeah. Uh, launch the Polaris, the end doesn't scare us. You know, when will this cease? The warheads will all rust in peace. I mean, it's pretty poetic all the way through, 
and you know he's using strong words but um puts them in a way that's just yeah re- really reflective of the whole album the whole theme yeah uh, so i really like it. i mean i i like the way once again it just suddenly ends i mean because all of a sudden you're just left going oh my god the only thing you can really do is just put the album on again i know there's such a there's such a, a sonic void you know of noise that you think you just need to, to hear more so i think it's great in that way but you know the song itself i, I love it and i think it's fantastic but it's not like a an absolute, you know, bull terror for me. Yeah. Sure, that Matthew. What about you, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. Well, lucky for me, it didn't tear Mark's balls because I think it's a bull terror. <laughs> 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 no, I really, really like this track. It's surprised me. This whole album's been a, a really good surprise. I'm probably the furthest person behind in metal because everyone else was into this album and I really wasn't. But. It's probably changed as of this week. You know, you've talked about the um, the chorus and all. I love the lyrics in this. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned them. But just the, he spits this chorus out like it's just filthy, which I like. <laughs> and it's aggressive, aggressive riffing. And I have no problem with the way this ends because it's like the door has been slammed shut on this album because the whole album's been hard. You know, Dawn Patrol aside and mm-hmm. a couple of little sections have slowed down. But it's a much heavier, better thought out album that I'd ever give it credit for. But this would be one of my favorite tracks, um, surprisingly, on this album. So I'd have to right. say, good job, Uncle Steve, in making me listen to this because I really wasn't. All right. I didn't have a lot of interest in doing it, but I'm really, really glad that I did. That's fantastic. I, I was mm-hmm. nervous. I was a little nervous for this episode because I knew just talking to Matt, he just, he really, I mean, sounded as nonchalant and uninterested as he could possibly sound. He was just like, I had, I'll be honest. I had no enthusiasm to do this. He did. I'll, I'll do it. Um, I'm not going to say no. Cause I, I don't usually say no, mm-hmm. but in my mind, I, was like, I don't want to do this. I yeah. He was like, he goes, I, I reckon you rate this one pretty high. And I was just, <laughs> I was like, Oh man, this is a great. And he was just like, like, he, like he made a comment kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I think we're going to have some big differences here. And I can't remember what it was. I was just remember thinking, man, has he heard this album? You know, you know I don't think I'd heard it really in probably in full in over 20 years. And I really think wow. that I wasn't in the right space at the time this came out. I wasn't yeah. at this point wow. in the metal evolution. I wasn't there yet. <clears throat> and this now is I'm the just, sort of album. Sorry. I was going to say, and now I'm like Cro-Magnon man. You know, I'm just left behind in the stone age. <laughs> moved on. And now I'm finally catching up. Finally catching up here. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as um, Megadeth albums go, uh, do you, do either of you, uh, I, I don't know if I expect Matt to have an answer here just because I'm not sure where he's at completely with the Megadeth catalog, but Mark, do you rank any other Megadeth album higher than this one? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. No. And, and I'm not sure for me, I, I really like, I mean, to me, this album is super, super strong in the technicality of it. The, the production of it, everything is just so great. Um, I really like uh P cells a lot, but I just don't think that P cells quite gets over it, even though it's a fantastic album. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, yeah, I think this is, it's a hard one to beat, man. It's a hard one to beat. I think the beauty of it also is with all the other albums, there's sort of, there's some songs which aren't as strong. So yeah. I might go to other albums just to listen to a specific song. Uh-huh. But every so often when I'm just feeling like 
oh, I just want a, 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 an album where I can go and do housework or do something where I don't have to go back to the phone and change songs or, or pick it. I can just listen to something from start to finish. Yeah. And this is one of those go-to albums where I just, every so often I just know I can just crank it and listen to the whole thing through and oh, have yeah. a great time. Yeah. Didn't Got you me. do the housework listening to Entombed? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I did it really quickly too. <laughs> so, it's over and done with in 20 minutes. Yeah, that's right. Telling my kids, put that down. Yeah. All I know yeah. is is when I turned it on in, in the living room yesterday and just had Holy Wars playing. And I mean, I literally just sat there and banged my head. Had the I had the TV turned up, you know, full blast. My daughter just kept going, Dad, can you turn it down? Can you turn it down? Can you turn it down? She's trying to listen to something with one of her earbuds in. And, and I mean, I'm just, just can't quit banging my head. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm still in my recovery mode from being sick, but I'm just standing there in that, and, and, you know, and I get done and I'm just like, you know, trying to catch my breath. Cause it's just like, it's intense, man. That's an intense, you know, six and a half to seven minutes of Holy Wars. So I was just like, man, it's all these years later. And this, this still holds up, man. So. Mm. This is a, it's what's interesting, interesting is it's mm-hmm. sorry it, that it's um it's like it's probably the most respected album but it's not the highest seller you know the next one obviously sold a lot more and that was yeah the, uh, exactly yeah, yeah. so it's, you can never never judge it by that no I was gonna say it's just an interesting point in their journey the way that they were moving along uh-huh. um, to where they just changed their whole musical direction after this like it's a big step from so far so good musically to this yeah. And then yeah. their step from this to the next album, it's just, it's like a different band. Well, but it, if you consider, um, sorry, Steve. Go ahead. But if, if you consider that, um, obviously after so, so Far, So Good, So What, and with their drug problems and all that sort of stuff, but that he wrote all of the songs for us on the piece while he was still, you know, heavily mm-hmm. on drugs, but then it got recorded, you know, when they were absolutely clean, they come out of rehab and then recorded it. Uh, and then in between Rust in Peace and Countdown Extinction, Metallica obviously had the Black Album, which was that's it huge, right there. And that mm-hmm. changed, changed metal. So I think with Countdown to Extinction, they were obviously trying to replicate some of that success in the way of record sales wise, you know. And sure. So I think they had a big, big influence on it for sure. Yeah, they were able to easily, you know, it's it's easy for Megadeth or with Dave Mustaine to kind of piggyback along with Metallica because he was a part of it. I mean, he's always going to be tied to Metallica. It's yeah. just just like the band Flotsam and Jetsam will always hmm. be able to say, you know, yeah, Jason Newstead, the bass player of Metallica, was our bass player, and it's always it's helped their career, you know. And hmm. while I think you know Megadeth completely stands on their own two feet, you know, they don't need Metallica's help in any way because he went and did it his way. And can you imagine a world without Megadeth? Or can you imagine wow. what Metallica would have been like with Dave Mustaine as their rhythm slash lead guitar player all those years instead of Kirk? Because I think he's a way better guitar player than Kirk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Head and shoulders above. Yeah. Yeah. I've so. always said if I ever met the guys from Metallica, I would just thank them so much for kicking Dave out because without that, I mean, we wouldn't have 15 albums of, you know, just so yeah. much incredible music. Oh, yeah. So it's just uh, it's just so lucky for us that he did. I mean, you know, otherwise Rust in Peace wouldn't exist. Exactly, exactly. So mm. with that said, uh, let's rank these songs. And um, Matt, you may want to tell Mark how we do it. The order. We do the, ca- we do the council order here on this show. And can you so explain what that okay. is to him? 
our least favorite favorite through to our most favorite favorite. And we do this because of? The counselor. We didn't do it one time and we got reprimanded. So back in the right order ever since. And I have a feeling now that if we did it, not only would the counselor get on us, but Gin would probably put us all in detention. So. In detention as well. Nobody <laughs> needs that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're going to go from nine to one. Nine being the least best and one obviously being the best. So, um, Matthew, we'll let you go first. Uh, what is your number nine? My number nine is Dawn Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N- 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 nervous systems. <laughs> yeah. Check. I- I'm I'm really wondering if we'll uh, be a clean sweep on this, perhaps. I kind of feel like I hope so. Mark, are you going to make this a clean sweep for us? Hey, absolutely. I was trying to soften your blow with what you were sort of saying about the song, but it's obviously, you know, clearly number nine. Yeah. I, I was just sort of saying I appreciated the beat and the bass, and I never really considered the song, but yeah, number nine. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely rotten eggs in the ear on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it, it wrestles my nostrils. <laughs> it does indeed. Rotten nuclear. Yeah. So now it's going to get interesting because, uh, like I said, everything else is pretty strong on this album. So, but I'm kind of curious to see. I, I feel like we're going to agree on some of these because I think, I don't know. Let's just see where we go here. So, number eight, uh, Mark, why don't you give us your number eight first? Uh, number eight for me is Lucretia. Yeah. Obviously, from here, all the songs are so strong and everything, but, but okay. I've got to put it somewhere, and that's probably my number eight. Wow. I wasn't expecting that one there. Okay. Uh, Matt, what about you? Number eight? You might you might be expecting this for number eight from me, but I'm going to put Take No Prisoners there. Okay. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, I might would have expected that from you, but for me, oh, I think y'all <laughs> are going to, I think we're all going to shock each other on all of these, but um, my number eight is the shortest song on the album. Poison was the cure. And again, it's a song I like, Uh, you know, nothing, there's nothing on here that I don't really like a lot. It's just a matter of liking one a little better than the, and like I said, I just listened to the album and stuck them in order. So, so, uh, number seven, I'll go first on number seven. Um, it's the song about thermatology. Uh, five magics is my number seven. Uh, Matthew, what is your number seven? Uh, so this was a pretty tough pick. This is the next one. And, but I ended up going with tornado of souls, not because I think it's weak at all. Oh, wow. It just has to go somewhere. Sure. And that's where I'm putting it. Mark, your number seven. Uh, number seven for me was poison was the cure. Okay. Okay. So we're closer on that one. Uh, number six, Matthew, what's your number six? The song that confused me. I don't know if I like it. I think I do, but I'm not sure. Lucretia. <laughs> okay, okay. Mark, you're number six. Uh, number six for me was Five Magics. Five Magics, okay. So, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My number six um, was Matthew's number eight, Take No Prisoners. So number five, Mark, what is your number five? Uh, Rust in Peace. Ah, okay. I think we're starting yeah, to line up. I think we're starting to line up here. I I, I understand. It's a great song. Uh, my number five is also Rust in Peace. Matthew? Uh, my number five is Five Magics. Leave it to Matthew. Leave it to Matthew to mess up our 
trifecta we were trying to get there again. So <laughs> couldn't do it. Sorry. Yeah, we may have another trifecta or two up here at the, closer to the top. I think though. Um, Maybe. Number four. I'll go with my number four first. My number four is I think one that you've both already named. Uh, Lucretia is my number four. Uh, Matthew, what is your number four? My number four is one I've really come to like. Poison was the cure. Okay. Mark? Uh, take no prisoners for me. At number four. Okay. Now, now's where we get down to the nitty gritty here. So, um, Matthew, what is your number three? I th- well, I know Mark picked this already. I don't know if you did or not. I can't remember. But for me, it is the closer, Rust in Peace. I really, really like okay. that. Yeah, me and Mark both had that at five. Mm. So, um, uh, Mark, you're number three. Uh, number three, Tornado of Souls. Tornado of Souls. Okay. I guess I'm going to be the groundbreaker here. Uh, my number three is Hangar 18. Eight. So that brings us to our top two. And we'll just do them two and one, Matthew. We won't, we're not going to mess this order up because I'm a little confused as what everyone's picked already. I know one that's no one's picked yet. So um, I'm kind of thinking I'm, we'll have a unanimous number one on that one anyway. Yeah. Number two, Mark, what is your number two? Number two, Hangar 18. Hangar 18. Matthew? Just like Mark, my number two is also Hangar 18. Well, and just like Matthew, I'm going to mess up this trifecta with my number two, Tornado of Souls. Much love. Yes. And Mark, will you please announce everybody's number one song from Rust in Peace? Oh, like you said, Rust in Peace. I was going to say Wild Dreams. No, jeez, no. Can I turn it up? Do you want to come back? Holy Wars. The Mighty Holy Wars, number one. Matthew, I thought he was trying to go out on a good note this week. Uh, do you know what? I'm glad he said Holy Wars because I was thinking Holy something else when he said Holy Wars. <laughs> I'm just guaranteeing guarantee that Matt's staying on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's making sure your seat is secure, Matthew. <laughs> no, I, how could you go wrong with um, Holy no, Wars? No, what was it? Number one. It's so yeah. cool. It's got everything. It really does. It's a perfect song. I, I you know, I, it showcases so much. Yes. Well, what I said earlier about this album and thinking, oh, I could think this album would be better than Master of Puppets. If I was just taking one song, I could think, oh, I, I, you could put almost any song. It's hard to pick a song that you could put against Holy Wars and and say it would be a fair battle. I mean, mm-hmm. even from Master of Puppets, I think I would choose Holy Wars over anything. Even though I love like Master of Puppets and Disposable Heroes and so many things, Holy Wars is just perfection. I mean, from <clears throat> I saw Megadeth live in uh, I want to say it was two thousand and one. Not too terribly. It was either oh one or oh two. I can't remember when they started touring after the the nine eleven attacks, and I remember. I, if I remember right, he op- they opened the show with Holy Wars. And it's just like he walked on stage and stood there at the microphone, you know, and it was just like he just kind of put his head down. And I was, it was just like, uh, it was just magic, you know? It's just, it's, and he plays it faster live, you know? <laughs> so, 
it's impossible yeah. to think that that could be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, oh man, I I watched a live version of Holy Wars yesterday, and it was faster. And I was just like, how on earth are they keeping up? There was just a certain point where I just couldn't imagine how the drummer was keeping up with it. It was just so. Everybody, everybody. I mean, the bass, everything was just going faster and faster and faster. I was just like, holy crap, man, this is insane. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. well, we all agreed on number nine. So we, we, we bookended it both <laughs> ends with the same numbers with, uh, with the same picks, Dawn Patrol to, to the lower half and Holy Wars at the top. I, I don't think you could, uh, like I said, this was the, this was a enjoyable uh, task to undertake this week. Uh, listening to this album quite a bit, which a lot more than I've listened to it in the past, you know, a few years, just a fantastic album. Um, I appreciate uh, Mark. I appreciate you coming on and, and coming back and chatting with us again, because uh, you're one of the people I, I, I know I mentioned to Matt a lot that, you know, I don't keep in touch. Everyone doesn't keep in touch with me that I've kept in, you know, that I've had on and things like that. But you're one of the people that, me and you pretty regularly text, uh, you know, every week yeah. you know, here and there. And, um, and so, you know, you were an easy choice to, to have come on. And I know you're a, a, a big time hard rock metal head dude, you know, you're not just a maiden guy. So, so thanks for yeah. coming back yeah. on, man. Absolute pleasure to be asked, especially to talk about such a, such a great album and, um, and to be in the company of two fine folks. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Well, Kirsty wasn't here this week, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> no, was good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, likewise. So, uh, so um, I guess uh, we'll let we're gonna uh, Matthew. We're gonna give uh, Mark the chance to close us out here again. Um, so first, <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say you know, uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of the flip flop. Thong, Horshike Guru, the Zulu Lulu himself, Matthew, on behalf of the Outback guy, Mark. It's good night from Megadeth, from Vic Rattlehead. It's good night from Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the boys. Walk into love, rest in peace.